Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Ride Balance Podcast. Before we get started, I would like to give a shout out to Matt Laidlaw once again. He's the one responsible for this adventure that I took. Uh, he got me into the Rawhide, and I got to meet Jim, and I finally did one of their classes. And this is going to be a very exciting episode. Before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to Ride Clean. That is the sponsor of this podcast. It's a simple and easy way of cleaning your motorcycle. It's an ultra premium polish wash and sealer. Simply shake, spray, and wipe, and your bike looks brand new. You'll get a mirror-like finish. Check them out at rideclean.co. Use promo code RBPODCAST for, I think we raised it now to 25% off, plus free shipping, plus an extra two-ounce bottle of Ride Clean. That's rideclean.co, promo code RBPODCAST. Very interesting episode. It's a first for the Ride Boundless podcast, and I know it's not going to be the last. Did something completely different. Shot over to Rawhide for the leadership program that they did out there, which was amazing. Um, we, we talk about it on the podcast. But just to give you a quick rundown, it was a first. And what they do is from basically 8 to 12 noon, you're, you're sitting in a business management leadership program. I mean, top-notch, David Knorr. He, uh, he put it together, and the guy is brilliant, a genius. Uh, he talks about evaluating your company, how to pitch a company, how to buy a company, how to sell a company, uh, what you should focus on, what you got. I mean, it, there's just too much information that he covered that I, you know words can't describe. It's very valuable. It was a success, and I know they're going to continue doing it. So check out rawhide-adventures. Dot com for, for their future schedules. Um, afterwards, you we get an amazing gourmet lunch, and then afterwards we just ride bikes. We go off roading and we go on roads, and it, it's just it was an it was an amazing experience to have three days of just learning how to operate and run a business and and set new goals and and writing your goals down, and then hanging out and then writing and then hanging out some more. Um, it was a blast. What makes this episode so different is there was about 20 individuals at the place, and I actually got to sit down with every single one of them. I might have missed one or two, but I will catch up with them. I will find them. And um, I just went through a quick rundown of questions of who who are you, where are you from, and how did you get into motorcycles? And these stories are they're amazing. They're, they're really amazing hearing how, how, I mean, there was Navy SEALs, there was uh, police officers, um, people that own their own businesses, their own franchises, and it's just, it, it was such a beautiful thing to actually just hear everybody's story on, on their background and, and what was the turning point where they said, I'm going to jump on two wheels. So um, without delaying this anymore, let's just get started right now. Frankie, thank you for being here. How, how would you introduce yourself? What's your social media? And where are you from? Frank LePayne. Um, and closer to the mic. It's just better. Yep. <clears throat> Thanks, Roberto. Uh, avid bike rider. Um, started doing this stuff when I was as an adult. Um, I knew how to ride bikes. You, you didn't as grow a kid. up with bikes. 
They did, but I yeah. didn't have them. Uh, we were dirt poor. Right. I mean, so my dad couldn't afford to give me shit like that. And But I had buddies that had them. So I learned how to ride by default. Yeah. But as a kid and as, an, uh, as a teenager and even in my 20s, I, you know, I didn't have any scratch for that kind of shit. You know, so I was just working, trying to get by, that kind of crap. And, and uh, as I got older, more mature, and, you know, the, and, the, and, the, and the money was starting to come in and I could actually sustain a mortgage and, you know, life. You know, um, I was able to, to get my first bike and, and I was just, I was so elated. What was your first bike? It was an 82 XS 850 special, which is a Yamaha. Okay. So, um, growing up around my uncles, everybody had Harleys. I loved Harleys, but you know, it wasn't in, it was just wasn't in within my, uh, my money reach, you know, they're expensive. I love them. I coveted them. I still do today. Um, but I just didn't have the 50 grand to, to throw at some of these machines. I knew what they were worth. I know what guys put into their, to their rides and shit like that. So, yeah. um, considering all the customizations yeah, and all yeah, the builds. It's crazy. And... So, um, I got married and, uh, you know, the money was there, but I, again, I wasn't going to go spend 30 grand on a bike, you know, and then put 20 grand into it, that kind of thing. Right. And I was looking at. You know, like my uncles, like I said, I was going back to that. Uh, they all rode Harleys, and, and, and I was telling you earlier that, you know, I used to watch the outlaws go down the road. They'd come right by our house, and, and that was... The, the one percenters. Correct. And to me, these guys are fucking rock stars. You know what I mean? I yeah. swear to God. You know, because I grew up on that side of the tracks, right? So these people were like my idols. They were my rock stars. I wanted to be a fucking biker. You know, I really did. And, uh, and I wanted to be a bad guy. You know, back in the day. Yeah. Right. You know, so I, I, I glorified that whole lifestyle and stuff like that until I got into my 30s when I realized that it just wasn't happening for me. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm, I'm if little, you weren't in by then, right. it's like right. you're not going to start being a bad guy. At 30. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I've done some shit and I've, I've gotten to some troubles. There's no doubt. But after a while, it just, you know, yeah, I realized that I'm just not that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and so... You know, and then I get my bike, I start riding, and I'm like, oh, look at me, you know, and I, I wanted more out of it, and, and I was in a position where I could buy my actual first bike, and then I started doing some research. The bike you wanted. The bike I wanted, and so I was talking to buddies and this and that, of course, everybody wants me to get on a Harley, because that's where my friends ride Harleys, yeah. but there was just something about it that I just, I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I really, uh, I, I think... I'm not sure when, but I saw guys off-roading, and that appealed to me. You know, I, I can get on all the pavement I want, but I wanted to see more than just what everybody else is seeing. So not, not, not your regular dirt bike guy, but you saw kind of like the adventure market. Yeah, exactly. And so I started doing some research, and at, and at first I was going to buy like a, a Yamaha Super T, which is a Tenere. And then I got other buddies that are like, no, no, you want to go with a BMW route. It's proven bike. It's been around forever. So this was going back 10 years. Yeah. And the Super T just basically came out. And, you know, they ran the, you know, if it breaks down, you know, nobody can fix it. They don't have parts available. You're going to be stranded, that kind of shit, right? People so, forget how difficult when, when you had motorcycles back then, everything, even Harley, it right. was difficult to get parts and everything. But, like, the history of bikes was very difficult hard to deal with 
Right. But yeah, so they, they tell you not to get that, to get something else, the BMW. Yeah, try and go somewhere else. Like, because if you're, you know, you're a week away from home, two weeks away from home, the last thing you, you know, you don't want to be stranded somewhere and your bike's stuck somewhere. And now, you know what I mean? Like, so, so I decided to go check out the BMW dealership. And, and before I even left there, I had a bike, you yeah. know, and I still have that bike today. I've got 70,000 miles on it. Um, I'm basically an adult motorcyclist. Um, and the, the appeal, my, my wife and my buddies, you know, he, he's, I got a friend, uh, he, he was the one that turned me on to, to Jim Hyde and Raw Hyde here. And, uh, it was a good selling point to my wife <laughs> that yeah. if I buy this bike, she was more worried that I was going to fucking kill myself. Right. You know, yeah. I, I what, what business do I have on a bike? I've never had one, that kind of thing, that kind of you shit. You didn't grow so, up with it. Right, right, right. You know, you yeah, you know how doing. to ride a little bit. Right. And even yeah. myself, I was a little a little nervous. Even when I got on the 850, it was like, you know, I, you know, you know ride like... I, the only thing I could remember is people telling me, ride like people are trying to kill you. Yeah. You know, so with that in mind... Yeah, or, or that nobody sees you. Right. So um, I heard about Jim Hyde... And I told my wife, I said, well, what if I take this off-road riding course and this and that, you know, just to refresh her course and this and that. Meanwhile, I, you know, I had no experience, you know, but, you know, I wasn't going to tell her that. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I ended up taking the course. I now need- you're drunk here with all these girls and women. I'm <laughs> right? kidding. I'm kidding. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I took the course, you know, and fell in love, you know, I, and I, I put on, a, I'm a, I'm a 10,000 mile a year guy in the riding season. I live in Michigan, so you know, we get to ride from spring to fall. Yeah. You know, so in that in that time I, I'm I try to put on ten thousand miles and I've been just about everywhere, you know what I mean, in North America. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um and and I, and I love it. You know, um, it's my second time back here at Rawhide to further advance my my skills, you know, because uh, I run into gnarly shit out there that I have no business being on, or I just don't know what to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And, or you're by yourself, you know, that kind of shit. So most of the time I'm riding with a couple of guys, you know, cause then it just takes some of those X factors out. You know what I mean? So no, no, I completely get it. Well, and, and then quickly, uh, what, what's your, what's your longest ride? I was on a bike for 18 days straight, anywhere from 10 to 14 hours a day and riding that bike, um, no fatigue, and most most times you can just keep going, but you got to stop, right? So, yeah. um, eighteen days leaving Michigan, went to Alaska, came back down through British Columbia, and then rode basically the top of the United States all the way back home. So that's did, awesome. did a big loop. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it was. That's it fucking was awesome. Fu- it was fucking epic, man. The shit I saw, you know, and the further away we got from people the more relaxed you are and, and that kind of thing. And you're able to look around and spend some time on the bike, you know, riding no hands, taking fit, taking photos, <laughs> taking yeah, yeah, photos yeah. and, and shit like that. And just, you know, really enjoying the, the, the time away, you know, and for me, it's like, it's just resetting the head. You know, I come back, I'm ready to, to get back at work. I'm ready to, to be a dad and more dad stuff, you know, and more husband stuff, you know, and all that crap. And, you know, so it's been, it's for me, it's therapeutic. Yeah. You know, I tell people for all I, of us. Yeah. I got customers that when I tell them because I, I am a contractor and my schedule is my schedule. But some of these people, you know, like when you're on their job and you're like, hey, I'm going to start your job. But on Friday, I'm taking off and I'll be gone for two weeks. And they, you know, and, and, and I'm like, and they're like, well, where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm going for a bike ride. 
And then, you know, and they what give you, you the, yeah, they give you, they give you the look and stuff like that. I'm like, Hey, if I don't do this, I ain't coming back. You know what I mean? Like kind of shit, you know? Yeah. So, so, and I tell them it's, th- it's therapy. Yeah. It's absolutely therapy for a guy like me, you know, like, yeah, so some people drink and smoke, some right. people just ride bikes and drink and smoke. Right. But. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that was the other thing, you know, I, I'm not, a, I'm a non-drinker. So, you know, 20 years sobriety. And that was the other draw. Congrats that, on that. Thanks. You know, like I want to drive, I want to ride. I don't want to just go from one bar to the next bar to the next bar. I, I guarantee you, if you would have continued, you would never be able to afford your bike. Right. Or right. you wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. Roberto and I have talked folks that uh, I've told them a little bit about my past. And yeah, I would yeah. have never been able to afford the shit that I do today, you know, yeah. if I had not. Cool. Frankie, you know. I'm going to cut it right there. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah. And let, let's enjoy it. We're still here, you yes, know, brother. so let's enjoy it. I appreciate it. Hey, my name is Steve Kirsch. Um, I've been writing about 35 years. Is I that started it? at 17. 35 um, years. I, uh, the way I got into it was my best friend and I wanted a motorcycle. My parents said absolutely. How, how old? 17 and 17 a half. 17 and a yeah, half. R- roughly in the 17 era. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we both wanted one. And my folks said, no, 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 you're not getting one of those things. There's no way you're going near that. His mom was divorced, and she wanted to make some points with him. So right. she let us keep it in her garage. Nice. And we taught each other how to ride a CB750. 72 CB750 in his backyard in the grass. I'm surprised I'm still alive. Yeah. Um, it was a crazy start to the Isn't whole thing. Isn't it how crazy how people used to ride motorcycles back then with the uh, with, without the safety features, ABS, oh, we didn't wear a track, nothing. Like, it just, nothing. No. like, it was just so fucking dangerous in every aspect possible. So I'm going to skip forward for a second because you raise an excellent point. I've been a teacher for over 20 years of motorcycle education. Oh, very nice. And... All of us that are in that era will go back and go, yeah, I had, I, I wore a London fog leather jacket because it looked damn cool. Right. I went down and it would have been nothing different than a t-shirt. Yeah. I didn't wear a helmet because I didn't need one. And, and it wasn't one, cool. And when I grew up in Illinois, there was no helmet law. Right. So there was not even education on it. So when I started teaching myself, I was in shorts and a t-shirt and gym shoes in a backyard on a 750cc <laughs> super sport <laughs> riding in grass. Right. So... I really, uh, your point is that generally speaking, most of us don't do things for the wrong reasons. They do things generally because most of us motorcyclists, I should say, don't do things for the wrong reasons, do them because we don't know enough to make the right choice. Yeah. And that's why I got into the business of teaching. That's um, awesome. And now how long have you been teaching? About 20 years. Um, so you, so at the 17 and a half age, you got into motorcycles from there. You, you survived and you're like, fuck, I can't believe I survived. I better teach people to help them prevent accidents. Oh, no, it's not that intelligent. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to school in Missouri in the mid-80s, and I got a 100-plus mile-an-hour speeding ticket in northern Missouri border of Southern Illinois, Northern Missouri. And the state trooper that pulled me over, his name was Bob, said, well, you know, you're, you're going to pay a fine, but I've got an option for you. I want you to take this certification class because you don't have M certification on your license. Right. But you were riding so well that I think that I want to try to build you into something else. And I laughed at him and said, I'm going to pay a fine, but you're not going to take my bike. What do you need me to do? You're going to go take a two-day class. Oh, sure. No problem. Boss, I'm all for it. And he sent me to Pat and Pete Mortison, husband and wife's 
rode matching Harleys with the fringe on their chaps and on the bike type deal. Awesome. And the two of them taught me um, at that time was called the RSS curriculum for motorcycle training. And it was a long class. It was just over two days, basically. And the way the two of them passionately taught the class and were in love with each other and really liked each other and loved their life of riding, they sat down with me after the class and they said, we think you'd make a great teacher. And I said, do you know why I'm here? And they laughed and said, yeah, we know Bob. That's how we get a lot of our students. Right. And I said, oh, oh so, you, Bob. Yeah. so you know I'm a screwball that was doing way too much speed. What the heck do you think I should be teaching anybody about? And they said, well, first and foremost, you've got a range of experience now. You've seen the right way to do things. We've taught you some really smart things. You paid attention to them. You passed the course very well. And you've played with the other side of life. Wouldn't it be great for you to share your message with others? That's how I was taught to become a teacher. It wasn't my inspiration. It wasn't me saying I should do this. It was them showing me that I could do this. So it, it, it was Bob. Yeah. Bob. It all started with Bob. Bob the state trooper. That's Well, thank you, Bob. We, <laughs> yeah. we appreciate it. Well, and one, one more question. Uh, what do you think of the whole experience here? I think that this is probably... And it, is it, I'm sorry, first time or no? Yes. Yes. Mine, um, mine, yeah, mine too. I, uh, when I got into teaching about 20 years ago, I made the decision that every year I get a new certification so that I could stay fresh to teach others. Right. So I literally, over 20 years, achieved 28 teaching certifications. So I have all kinds of different experiences and all kinds of different courses, and I'm certified actively right now in 26 different teaching curricula. And in the course of doing all that, I never got to Rawhide. And it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was, one, financial, um, they're expensive, and two, just not the right timing. Yeah. It, when I saw this model of this come up with the business relationship to the motorcycle education opportunity of having a blast of just riding and talking business, I couldn't resist it, and I wrote the check. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... I'm over the moon impressed with what Jim has created here. Yeah. It's, you know, his staff and everyone you talk to, unbelievably polite, unbelievably professional, always looking for what you need, not what they want. It's interesting because we're here to learn also uh, about the, the, you know, uh, the, um, what do they call it? The leadership program. Yeah. And everything Dave's teaching, it's amazing how much of that applies to what Jim has already executed. Yeah. You know, which is which is mind boggling. That, that's all I kept thinking about. It's really impressive. Um, and Jim today, he sensed when we were out there towards the end of the day, he sensed that a few of us wanted to go a little faster and he took us down the route just that way. Yeah. And, I, you know, we do that in our training. <clears throat> we do that in our training. But it was really neat to be the student. Yeah. And have the coach see it. And yeah. Go, Let's go and take us off. And it's just uh, I'm I'm. I'm now budgeting what the next trip is already, and I'm not even halfway through this one. And you're not even halfway done. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm ready to spend money with them for a very long time to come. They're fantastic. I, I had a great conversation. Listen to the last podcast I did with Jim. I, I told him, let's figure out a subscription option, you know, and, and everybody can benefit from this. So hopefully cool. we'll see something like that. Cool. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Peace. Uh, my name is Walt Fulton. I, uh, I live in Orange County. Uh, California. Uh, I've been involved in motorcycling my entire life. My father was in motorcycling. He uh, uh, was prominent uh, 
uh, and top uh, district manager for Triumph Corporation out of Baltimore for many years. Uh, from there, in 1959, he went to uh, he went to American Honda, brought Honda motorcycles in the country, and in '64 he oh, brought. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh yeah, and he, in 1964 he brought Suzuki into the country. He was one of the seven uh, Caucasian management team uh, behind both Honda and Suzuki. So I basically uh, have been riding my entire life, one way or another. You were born uh, into it. Well, I was even before I was born. I was right. riding. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with my mother uh, so yeah it it's it was something that was just uh as soon as i was old enough to to realize what was going on and what i wanted to do it was very simple to make a choice i wanted to ride motorcycles yeah and consequently i i went on to uh, uh become a factory uh, supported rider with with uh u.s suzuki a factory-supported rider with Kawasaki Motors Corporation USA, and ultimately Harley-Davidson, where I spent um, 1967 to 1971 riding for them. So uh, I've, motorcycling has been really good to me. Um, it's, it's, uh, you were able to make a career out of it. You were well, able I was to not make only, a living out I, of it. I was not only able to make a career out of it, um, uh, motorcycling itself, per se, but uh, after I, I, I quit racing, uh, I went to work for uh, several different magazines, Cycle Guide magazine to begin with, Cycle World magazine, Motorcyclist magazine, and uh, ultimately a Motorcycle Consumer News, uh, who I worked with for, I don't know, eight or 10 years as doing all the uh, performance testing and uh, some product reviews and and road test so and then um, uh, I was involved in crash investigation and reconstruction for 28 years shit you did it all yeah primarily involving uh, motorcycles but bicycles buses trucks cars all, uh, all of it yeah um, uh, heavy uh, moving equipment uh, portable drilling rigs and things like that. Uh, that so that was 28 years of my life and uh, then I went to work for Kawasaki Motors Corporation as a technical person in the legal department, which I, I was there for 10 years, and then moved from legal to quality assurance, where I was uh, in compliance. And uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I've... Yeah, no, and, yeah. and we're, and we're going to get together again yeah. uh, soon, and we'll have okay. a full detail of everything. Yeah. And then last question, uh, what do you think of the whole program here? Is, is it your first time, or you've been here multiple times? No, actually, this is my first time at, at uh, uh, Rawhide. And I've, I've wanted to go for a number of years. And uh, uh, it's uh, a real treat to be here, not only with the uh, business meeting, but I'm looking, uh, I love the BMW. Yeah, uh, the twelve fifty, and uh, an I, I actually, machine. yeah, I actually have. Uh, I was involved in the BMW Battle of the Legends in ninety five to ninety seven, and uh, that's when I decided I I could get I could like one of these. So I ended up with uh, one R eleven hundred RS, then I got two, a second one, and then now I have three of them in my garage. So I'm I'm somewhat partial to BMW. And it's uh, a real treat to ride the, the new, latest, greatest 1250. 
and uh, it's, it's amazing machine yeah, it, it is so I'm, I'm really looking forward to giving it a try in uh off-road yeah in the dirt. And, and may i ask with all due respect you don't have to answer how old are you i, I don't mind answering that at all i'm 73 73 right I, now i was right behind you you yeah. were hauling ass yeah. well, <laughs> i'm like fuck well, well it's been, killing it yeah i've i've uh, uh i started writing when i was seven so I've got I've got a few years experience with it. I I probably have well I know I have at least a documented one million miles, and now I think I'm up to a million and a half to somewhere between two, one and a half and two million miles. Well, you're a true two wheel badass, and like I said, we'll be getting together soon and hearing all your stories. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank Walt. you. Yeah, I'm Tom Balch. I live in Santa Cruz. I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa. I love motorcycles, and. Uh, I own a petroleum contracting business, but that's what I do to create means to do things I really enjoy doing. Being a dad, raising money, living life. Yeah, all the, all the good stuff. What, yeah. what, what, what finances, you, you do certain things so you can live the life that you want to live. Exactly. You know, I enjoy my work. I enjoy the, my customers. I enjoy uh, getting to know my employees and building teams. I get a lot of joy and pleasure from that. That's an important piece of what I, who I am. But the other thing is, is you know, what makes life rich, you know, right. being married to a woman you love, having kids that, that, that you just get so much joy watching them grow up and walking your girls down the aisle and get married to men you like. Yeah. And then having a son go out to college and doing well in school. Those things all bring a lot of joy. And then as you get older, you know, grandkids start showing up and you go, man, how did that happen? Yeah. And uh, that's all awesome stuff. But, you know, working, living life, having a woman you love, um, it's all good stuff. It, it's all excellent stuff. And then and then quickly, how would you get into motorcycles? Well, I, I, to be honest, it's probably DNA. Yeah. You know, I remember in high school, I always wanted a bike. Every time I brought it up, it was like, no, can't have a bike. Too dangerous. And all right, you know, it's fine. There were other things keep me busy. I cut school, get a lot of surfing and skiing in. But uh, graduated from high school, moved to Santa Cruz to get some surfing in, mm -hmm. bought a bike right away. And I don't think it was a Honda 350. Yeah. Didn't have a license, but I did have a helmet. And uh, I just ride that what, bike. Was it, it wasn't legal then, right? You just had it because you wanted it, right? I had it. I wanted it. Because I think it got legal in California, like 90s or what, something. I mean, the helmet thing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just thought it was smart to wear a helmet. Yeah. You're and, a smart guy. Yeah, well, some people <laughs> may disagree with that. Anyway, so I'd ride this bike around Santa Cruz up the mountains. You know, I, I met a girl at college, and she would jump on the bike. We'd ride together. And then uh, one of my roommates borrowed the, borrowed the bike without asking it, totaled it. Fuck. So that was the end of the bike thing. Got married, started some businesses, bought a house, started having kids. Still was surfing, but the motorcycle thing kind of just yeah, wow. kind of just drifted away. And then, um, I don't know, I was at a buddy's 40th birthday party. He comes up to me and he says he bought a Harley. And he's talking about bikes and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, dude, man, I think that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I really didn't have a vision of myself on a Harley Cruiser. But, you know, I was familiar with adventure riding and camping and trail riding. I thought that would be awesome. And 
started, I took a, I, I told my wife to convince her that this was going to be okay. I took the motorcycle safety training class and I actually got a license. I, could, I was legal. Right. And I uh, ended up buying a used uh, Suzuki V Strom 650. Wish I kept that bike. Thought I'd only drive it occasionally. Next thing I know, I'm commuting in the bike. I put 16,000 miles in the bike the first year I had it. Nice. Sold it uh, for the same price I paid for it. Bought a score. Uh, yeah. And then I turned around and bought a uh, 2007 Triumph Tiger 1050. Great bike. Great bike. Put 100,000 miles on that. Holy shit. What was your longest ride on? What was your longest one ride on that? Oh, let's see. My longest ride is I uh, went out to. Um, North Rim of the Grand Canyon, Zion National, up to up to my brother's ranch in Idaho. Left his ranch in Idaho and drove straight back to Santa Cruz without stopping one day. Fuck. In one day. One day. How many one, miles was that? Oh, man. It's probably like 800 miles. Holy shit. And uh, next day, I was back on the bike riding it to work. Um, but going, you know, stepping back, I had this Honda 350. My dad comes over and visits me in Santa Cruz. Gets on the bike, you know. He grew up in a ranch in Idaho, familiar with horses and stuff. And he fought in the South Pacific during World War II and ended up in Japan. And after the war, he bought a bike from the PM, PMX, PMX store, the store that they have available for military guys. He had one of the very first civilian-made Harleys shipped to him in Japan. My dad in Japan. In Japan. Okay, so right. in 1940, right after the war, so you look at 1946-ish, my dad has this Harley in Japan. And he's just loving life in Japan. He you know, had a boat built, did a lot of fishing, volleyball, riding the motorcycle, snow skiing. Life was good. <laughs> yeah. Until the Korean War started. Right. Um, but, yeah, he had his bike. Uh, he had no shirt, no shoes, no gloves. And he's racing his boss back from the beach to the base. And next thing he knows, he's in his boss's Jeep. And the boss goes, Will, you're bleeding all over my Jeep. And he spends, like, the next few weeks in the base hospital he said I wake up I'm in my birthday suit I'm surrounded by nurses pulling sand and gravel with tweezers out of me Oof. so that's why he didn't want me to have a bike in high school yeah and I told my dad after he told me that story he says hey dad I'll promise you I'll always wear my gear yeah I ain't riding a bike with no shoe no shoes no shirt I'll wear my gear and then uh, real quick, last thing, what, what do you think is this your first time here no I did the intro intro to riding with Rawhide absolutely amazing experience um gained a lot of confidence on the bike in the dirt i was really confident on the street i, I, yeah. mean, I commute on the bike but i always felt a little um like how am i going to handle this bike on the dirt and the sand and the mud and um a great experience uh jim just runs a great operation here it's awesome i, I came back a couple of uh, adventure days yeah and you know once i can fit into my schedule i'd love to come back and do like the next step which is um, kind of like the next level of, you know, besides, if you don't practice these skills, it was like uh, maybe 2016 I was here. Yeah. And if you don't practice these skills, you lose it. What would you recommend, like every other year or once a year? Well, or? I'd recommend anybody that owns a BMW in, or any any adventure bike, and they want to get confidence. Right, to do the class. But once they do it, what would you recommend for them to do it? Like every other year once a year, once every five years. Depends on their. It depends on on their, on their skill level. On their skill level, it depends on their economic situation, and their confidence. confidence. But I, you know, and frankly, it's just a fun thing to do. Yeah. You meet some really cool people. You get lots of great food. Great um, food and booze. Booze and, and just good fellowship. So it's like every couple of years, why not? 
Yeah. Or do the adventure days, man. It's a low entry point. You yeah. Know, you get the same kind of a dynamic happening. Well, fucking right on, Tom. Thank you so much. Cheers, brother. All right. Cheers, man. We'll be talking soon. All right. Hey, uh, my name's Andrew Vanos, uh, originally from Australia. And uh, how I got into motorcycles. What, what do you do, Andrew? What? Yeah, I'm actually in the health insurance business. Nice. And uh, you, you sell, and selling and, and, that, and being in the industry, you're, you're selling policies and... Correct. Gotcha. So nice. I deal with individuals and then I specialize in group, group coverage. Very nice. So and what part of Australia? Uh, from Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Nice. So Fosters. <laughs> I'm, ever, kidding. I'm don't kidding. Don't ever I'm say kidding. that. <laughs> I'm kidding. So uh, what, uh, the way I got involved with motorcycles is when I was in uh, high school, uh-huh. my friend had a farm. Nice. So and, and back home. In Australia. And uh, I used to hunt kangaroos on motorcycles. Holy shit. How does yeah. that work? Like, is it two of you on the bike and you guys are oh, no. hunting? No, you, no, no. Each, each one. It was a little Honda. What were they? The the posty bikes. Right. So like Honda 90s back then oh, or 110s. Like one, yeah. One, yeah. Yeah. So, so we were strapped with a rifle on our backs, riding along. And uh, once you saw the kangaroos, you jumped off the bike, didn't care where it went, pulled the rifle off your back, aimed it, start culling numbers. And you, fuck, man, that's crazy. <laughs> now, are, are yeah. you are you killing kangaroos because there's a kangaroo problem in Australia? Like we have a deer problem, or it was just fun, or, or what? What's no, this? no, this was work. It was so work. in Australia when there's drought, right? Kangaroos compete with the cattle, and you have to go cull the numbers. We have over four hundred million kangaroos, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so. It's 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 uh, it's to control the population, then. Correct, and I think like what the they do with like hogs and pigs and stuff in Texas, like they have to kill so many, and they don't even pick them up and eat them because they have to kill so many. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, we would send trucks afterward pick them up because send them to the knacker and turn them into dog food. Turn them into dog food. Yeah, but I think um, I think we're the only nation on earth that shoots its national animal. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> so that, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's necessary. <laughs> right, it's necessary, especially when the numbers get out of control. Right. So you you were doing that, doing motorcycles, hunting, shooting. Now you ended up buying a bike. Was that your personal bike, or that was your work bike? No, that was uh, that was my summer job. Right. So. And I'm sorry. How old are you? I'm 53 now. But when you were doing that. 15, 16. Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a crazy job. You, but you, it was great. Yeah. But there's other it's, days. I would love it, but today people would be like 15 years old riding a motorcycle and shooting kangaroos. You know, that's so terrible, but that's awesome. Well, here's the, the irony of it all. Even though that was the job, there's days we'd get up at dawn, ride along just to go for a ride. The same kangaroos would be hopping next to us. Mm. And you take the moment to actually enjoy them. So it was, it, it was a job. Do, do people, and, and I, I want to know how you continue this motorcycle, but this is so interesting to me. Do, do you eat, like, two questions. Do they make any kind of leathers out of kangaroo skin or fur or anything? And uh, do people eat kangaroos? Are they good or not really? That's yeah. why it's dog food. No. Uh, back in the day, we didn't eat kangaroos until I realized that it is some of the cleanest meat you can eat. That's what I would have thought. Yeah. And uh, it's extremely lean. Uh, it's really not very gamey. 
so you have to cook it very rare. And uh, chutney does a great job with it as well. And uh, now in Australia, it's actually so expensive to eat kangaroo. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. You know, so, what this, you know what this reminds me of? You know, like, because uh, back in the days, you know, the crabs and lobsters were considered the cockroaches of the sea. Yep. And only the poor would eat it. And the rich would be like, how disgusting. Yeah. And then they realized how delicious it is. And now it's like one of the most expensive things. And same thing with bone broth. Yep. Bone broth, only the poor would eat the bone broth. The rich would eat these nice steaks in Europe and, yep. you know, throw out the bones. And the poor would make these bone broths. And that that's the healthiest part. So it's yep. kind of the same thing, huh? Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's an interesting evolution. And where I think uh, kangaroos, as far as eating them goes and getting some notoriety. Mm-hmm. It was a while back, I think it was in the 80s, where um, Australia got busted for shipping kangaroo meat in place of beef for Jack in the Box. Wow. Yeah. What, what year? I think it was in the early 80s. Wow. Yeah. And, and Jack in the Box had no idea. I have Nobody no knew. idea the story about it, but anyway, it came out. It was this big Andrew, controversial people are going to Google this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, yeah, it's, it's, it happened. it's there. It happened. I'm not making this up. Yeah. But um, the irony is, because nobody had really eaten kangaroos before it wasn't a big deal back then. Right. Um, the irony is that it's some of the best meat you can eat. I, I, I can't. I, I want to try it one day. I got to go to Australia and I want to try it. Kangaroo stroganoff. So, so let, let's, uh, I'll look that up. I'll, yep. look, I'll look up for the recipes. So motorcycles. Yes. So you uh, after that, you grew up. That was a business. That was your summer job. What 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 do you ride now? And, and you know, how, how long have you been riding your overall experience? Well, I've been riding since I was around 15. Um, always, always wanted to get into adventure riding. Yeah. I remember even as a kid when I was in Europe with my parents, I'd look at those um, Alpinas, I think they're called. Just the, the bikes just looked amazing to me. Yeah. And I just wanted the opportunity to do it. And finally, got back here. I rode throughout college, but it was just more road bikes. And the opportunity showed up to get an adventure bike. And... Uh, was introduced to Rawhide, started doing some research, and it seemed like the right place to go. It's a different First time? No. I'm sorry? Is it the first time in Rawhide? Well... Or you had been here before? I hadn't been here before. Oh, so it's first time, yeah. So the first thing I ever did was buy a bike... Right. ...from Rawhide. Oh, nice. Yeah. And what made that fun, I was telling Jim a little bit earlier uh, tonight, when I went to pick up my bike... I didn't want to wait for it to come back to California, so I flew to Colorado to pick it up. I'd never ridden an adventure bike before, and these things are pretty big. Yeah. And it was a, it was a GSA. So Jim had, had it set up at his facility right next to the big staging station he has, but it was in the gravel. Mm. And as I was getting ready to leave, all the new students were showing up, and I'd never ridden one of these things before, and I had to drive <laughs> it through the gravel. And I'm thinking, please don't fall, please don't fall. Didn't fall. Oh, good. <laughs> you had me in suspense. Yeah, but I've gotten pretty used to falling. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it happens, of course. I mean, I, I've dropped my, my bike, especially when I went to Gorman. I dropped my bike a few times. It's just normal. Yeah. You know, and, and people actually, the first time I ran into other fellow adventurers, they're like, have you dropped it yet? And I was like, nope. And they're like, oh, you, you haven't even started then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's what they expect. Um, and then how do, then what do you think of this whole program? What do you think of this whole weekend? Whoops. Well, look, I think um, the program, what Rawhide has done, uh, how they, just from their instructors, the systems they have in place, the way they develop the riders from the nomenclature of the bikes right, to the basics, it's, it's, uh, everything builds on itself. Yeah. To get you to a proficient level. And what's really interesting, and this is where it takes a little bit of patience to wrap your mind around things, everything's done really slowly. Yeah. It teaches you the control. It teaches you a lot of things. But the other thing that they get through your, your mind and your head is the mindset of writing. Right. And we were talking about falling. It's an issue of being embarrassed when you fall. It happens. Yeah. And one of the first things that you learn to embrace is not so much the falling, but to be able to analyze why you fell. It's a good point. And then I think ultimately it makes you a better driver. And you know, and the other thing in in the reality is this. It's a diminishable skill so if you don't practice it the classes are great but you have to get out there and do it and yeah. do it again and again and then you get better but you're off your bike a month you get rusty yeah well not, not only that but you know there's times that i'll just ride my harley and i'll be like two three weeks that i ride my harley and when i get back on the adventure bike it's a whole nother bike again yep and then i'll be riding that for two three weeks and i got that down like a professional and and my huge bags and my big, you know, engine cage. And, you know, I cut through traffic like crazy. And people are like, fuck, you, you know, cut through traffic on that? I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then I get back on the Harley and it's like, it's just so weird. You got to continuously yep. practice, 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 practice. Yeah. Well, thank you. Is there is there anything you else you want to add? Any safety tips or anything you personally learned or? Well, listen, you're always learning. Every day. And the benefit that I found with adventure riding is the actual community and the value that that community brings because it's pure you right. meet people from all different aspects of life different professions right and yeah you've got something in common however it, it's almost like an an innocence and nobody has anything to prove yeah. which makes the community really really super valuable but the one thing i would say you cannot underestimate the value of the training. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you. We'll see you soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, my name is Rod Mirabent. I am originally from Mexico City. I've been in the U.S. for since 2003 now, so a couple of years. Nice. Um, I grew up in Mexico City, and my dad got us a Carabella 50 cc and this was when i was probably four years old 
And with, you know, he just got us a bike. I'm the youngest of... So your father initiated the whole motorcycle. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. At yeah. four years old. Yes. That's awesome. But the thing is that I ha I'm the youngest of... I have two older brothers. And I was four. So And my oldest brother, he's eight years older than me. Yeah. And Danny, who's here with me, he's six years older than me. So he was 10, you know. Um, I was four. So my dad, you know, I, I just thought that I could ride with the big boys and it was a 50cc and, yeah. you know, I just immediately got on, on that bike and I crashed directly to the wall and that was my first motorcycle experience and I loved it. And from, <laughs> After even crashing yes, and everything. Yes, of course. I just, you know, uh, got up, hopped on the bike again and just went. So right. that, that, that was it. I mean, that, that made it for me. I've been riding for many years now, but uh, I, I've gotten... My best instruction here at Rawhide, actually. How, how many times have you been in uh, at, at Rawhide? This is my third time. And, and how many? And in what time? One year, three years, five years? First time I came here was in 2019. Then I came back uh, October 2020, and this is my third time. But this is different. This is different. This is it's, interesting, huh? It is different. Yeah. Yeah, because this is the leadership program, it, so it's kind of like an educational business. What do you think of it? I am liking it pretty much. Um, to be honest, um, my brother Danny called me in December, and I was, you know, during the um, Christmas, you know, holidays. Yeah. And he said, I'm going back to Rawhide on January 27th or something. 29th. 29th. So I said, I'm in. But I didn't know it was a <laughs> leadership program. Or I thought we were just going to be riding bikes. Right. And then so I just joined in, you know, call and sign up, and then... I, I got the um you know the email saying oh this is gonna be a leadership program and I'm like hmm interesting yeah but but I'm liking it pretty much I mean is there a lot you can apply to to your business you think course. or what you do yes. what, what do you do I'm in energy efficiency energy efficiency so yeah we do in the U S in the no mostly Europe Mexico and Latin America very nice yes very so nice. I live here but um most of my business in that area it's it's Mexico and and you know Chile. We do a bunch of projects in Spain, uh, Netherlands, stuff like that. Wow. And the yeah. whole family does the same thing, right? Uh, no, no. Actually, no. Well, the brothers? or No, no, no. My, my brother, Danny, he's in mining. My other in brother, Canada. In Canada, yes. My other brother, he's, he has his own businesses, and this is just me. With I have uh, two partners on, on the energy efficiency pro, um, uh, company. So, okay. yeah. So and then, and then, last question, just between you and me. Yeah. Who, who's the best rider between the brothers? Of course, me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Gracias, hermano. No, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dan Mirabent. I'm from Kelowna, British Columbia, in Canada. Uh, I'm here at Adventure Riding Group with a Rawhide team. With Rawhide team. How'd you yeah. get into motorcycles? Well, I always been passionate about motorcycles. I started with a. Uh, street bikes and then I started a little bit of a track racing and then my brother Rod introduced me to adventure riding and then the first time I I tried it I got hooked up and then it slowly I, yeah it was over I, I changed sold my Harley sold my street bikes my track what, bikes what was your first bike my first bike was a CBR 900 Fireblade very nice yeah and then you had a Harley too oh yeah I had Harleys I was Die hard Harley. What kind of Harley? Uh, my last Harley was a, a Street Glide CBO. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I got a Street Glide, the, the special. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, right now I've been trying to fix so, up. Yeah, no, I I I rode with my wife, uh, my CBO uh, from Canada all the way down to a uh, Hollywood. We went to this uh, ride that was called the Boot Ride. It yeah. was about eight years ago, uh, with all the Sons of Anarchy and all that stuff. So we went all the way from Canada to uh, Los Angeles, rode with those guys, That's and so then cool. rode rode back. How how long was that ride? Uh, it was our tenth, tenth uh, wedding anniversary. So congratulations! Yeah, well, that was ten yeah, years that ago. Was 10 years <laughs> <of> Twenty now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it took <laughs> us. Uh, it, we we took a uh, uh, two weeks, two weeks off, just riding, just riding and enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, that was great. That's awesome. Um, and then the program. Have you done the program before here? Yeah. So this is my third time here at Rawhide. I already did the. I started with the intro. Then I did the intro plus. And I just saw the leadership thing, and I, you know, and you said, "Fuck yeah, it, yeah, let's the, do it." The weekend, I need something to do in January, so <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, there's no riding in Canada right now, so it was a good excuse to come and and ride bikes. And the first time you came was 2000. No, the first time I came to Rawhide was uh, last October 2020. La- last October 2020. Yeah, and then I came back in November 2020, and now in January, and then so you just been back to back to back to back. I'm already booked. So for you love it. Oh, I love it. I'm already booked for Colorado, so this year. So yeah, that's awesome. So they, they should start a referral program, huh? Yeah, Jim, start a referral program. <laughs> they should, but the money will go to my brother Rod, who's yeah, the that, guy to introduce me here too, right? That's true. Yeah, but yeah. I I brought my uh, one of my colleagues and very good friend uh, Rafa with me this time, so it was also really good. So I maybe I get that referral program. That's right. You would yeah. get that one. Yeah. And then all your brothers ride, right? It's, yeah. Well, it, it's three brothers, and uh, yeah, we all ride. Uh, my older brother, he sticked up with the Harleys, and uh, uh, but myself and brother, we're more into the adventure bikes now. Yeah, because your your other brother's probably got a Harley tattoo or something, and he can't switch. He has no tattoos. No tattoos. Yeah, I'm the only one of my brothers with tattoos. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a Harley tattoo, do you? No, no, no. Okay. No, no. Of the brothers, who's the best rider? Uh, this is between you and me, by the way. I think it's Rod. Yeah. You think it's Rod? Yeah. Yeah, he's very confident. That's right. awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank no, you for your time, hermano. No, thank you. Have right. a good, great meeting you, by the way. It was, <laughs> and good writing, man. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. You too. Thanks. Thank you, brother. My name is Greg Stevens. I uh, currently am the chief of police in Rockport, Texas. Nice. I've been there for uh, about a year and a half, coming up on two years. I uh, retired as the chief of police in Lubbock, Texas. So I retired from a larger city, about 450 officers in Lubbock, where I'd been there for almost 27 years. And uh, uh, took the job in Rockport. Rockport's down on the coast, around yeah. the side of Corpus Christi. So I had this idea to go down to uh, live on the beach. And uh, believe it or not, I'm looking at, uh, at, at, at what's going to be next already. Yeah. But So I've been in police work actually for a little over three decades Holy right. shit. Is it easier in a smaller town or in a bigger town? You know, it's just a different, it, uh, easier, harder. It's just a different, a different environment. That's all it is. Um, there's more specialization in a, in a, uh, in a big city. Uh, so you can do, you can, you can begin to specialize in, in if you like doing uh, traffic accident investigations or you want to be a homicide detective or maybe you like forensics or something where in a small town you, you kind of have to do everything. All there's of less of it, but you have to do all of it. You have to be good at just about everything. No, that's a smaller that's, scale. That's yeah. a great way of explaining it and, Absolutely. and how you would have to do deal with it. 
Yeah, and, and I, I did uh, four years as a military police officer before going to Lubbock. So I went into military a month after high school, and, and so uh, I got a long history of it and uh, stayed in the, in the reserves after I did my active duty time and, and uh, uh, retired as a Navy intelligence officer. And so my, my philosophy is to retire early and often. Yeah, and, and often. <laughs> your, um, your parents were mil- uh, police my, or military? Uh, my dad. So I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, up in the Texas Panhandle. Uh, and my dad was an Amarillo police officer for 34 years. Yeah. And so that's all I ever really contemplated doing. That was that was where I was gonna gonna go. And uh, when I went into the military in 1988, I went in with just the idea to do my four years and uh, and then get out. And I wanted to go back and be an Amarillo policeman, kind of follow my dad's footsteps. But they didn't allow any kind of nepotism, so I I couldn't even apply. And so Shit. I, yeah, so I couldn't couldn't go home. So I sort of took the shotgun approach. The state police weren't. A hiring, they had a hiring freeze at that time, so I took the shotgun approach across the state, and I got on with Lubbock, Texas, in 1992, and I did a full career. Did um, uh, you know a lot of patrol work, and then uh, all my detective time was in narcotics, doing undercover work and advice. Which type in crimes. Texas is never ending. And never ending, right? Yeah, that was by choice. Yeah, that's what I went into, and uh, then started promoting up. And uh, again, I stayed in the reserves and did a full uh, career in the Navy and. Uh, got recalled after the attacks in 2001, and uh, got back home in 2002, and uh, decided that I wanted to to make more out of that career. So I finished uh, uh, college and uh, got got uh, education and got a commission in the Navy and went into uh, naval intelligence and uh, did that for about 10 years. Holy shit! So your whole life, military, police, government—that's yeah. it. So you've never been outside of government. No. So that's it, coming to this deal here. So I, uh, you know, we introduced ourselves. I said, "Look, I've been working for the for the government." since a month after high school and uh, uh pretty soon i'm going to look at transitioning out into the private sector and uh, i've got a little consulting company that i started nice and uh we've got some rental properties things like that but i'm looking forward to at some point doing uh, consulting about law enforcement and about um you know ways that we can i'm gonna i want to say maybe improve law enforcement there's this i don't I don't like the whole reimagine thing. I think yeah. that we're getting a little carried away with that, but there there's certainly things that we can do better when it comes to accountability and uh, and making some uh, uh, some some great improvements in law enforcement. Uh, so so more training. <clears throat> well, you know, we get lost in uh, um, in in uh, the kind of training that everybody you know kind of knee jerks into, and where I believe that we really um, need to focus leadership training. Uh, is in middle management at that right. first line supervisors and the, the captains and the lieutenants. Um, if you think about this, things tend to break in the middle. If you think of a stick, and that's uh, I steal that from Simon Sinek. Uh, if you're a follower of of, of Simon Sinek, he, he emphasizes mm, not that. Familiar, well, you know, we we when there's these big eruptions out in our society, we always focus on the the officer that we see, you know, doing some terrible yeah, thing. Like the start and the end never. Well, the, well, we, we focus on that on that individual officer. And then, of course, police chiefs are, you know, we, we demand their resignation or their fire. They run off. And the tenure for a police chief nowadays is anywhere from two to four years, you know, and that, that's it. You don't have a long-serving police chief. So it's hard to set the culture in an agency when you don't have a, someone serving for a long time at the top. And we focus at these two ends when really right. things tend to break in the middle. And, and there's we need to demand more out of the middle management, out of the commanders and out of the first-line supervisors. And that's where that accountability needs to go. And so I'm really looking towards um, trying to improve the leadership um, at those levels in law enforcement because that's where we can make a real difference. Right. 
it makes all the sense in the world, especially yeah. that you've been in it so long, you know exactly where to focus on. And that's kind of the thing. Nobody knows where to focus. All, all people are focusing on right now is blame. Hey, mm-hmm. this person right. did that. This person did that. Where's this supervisor? You know, and, it's, it, and we're having knee jerk reactions and, and, and people are coming up with ideas for, for training. And, and, and while I'm not against, uh, you know, um, implicit bias training or cultural diversity training, those are good things. But I offer to you when you see these, these things erupt, the officer that you see that's doing the bad thing, he, that officer's had a bunch of that kinds of training, but they, they're typically the kind of person that sits in the back of the classroom and rolls their eyes. Yeah. Um, and, and the good, you know, the, the 98-plus percent officers or 99 percent officers, um, they've, they've, you could get, and I'm all for giving them more of that kind of training. That's all good. But they're already not treating people badly. I mean, right. they're doing a good job right now. But again, I'm not against, we do more training with that, but we, we, we need to avoid the knee jerk reactions and focus on things that'll make a really, bring good added value and, and focus on accountability. Um, and when, when we, the police say that we hold ourselves to a higher standards, too often we don't, and yeah. we really need to do that. We need to mean it and we need to, we need to follow through on that. And, and what do you think of the statement defund the police? Well, um, and you don't have to. No, no, no. I got, I got thoughts. Of, I got thoughts about that. Yeah, so, yeah, so, here, so here's the thing: um, it, you can't treat it like a light switch. Like we can't just flip off funding and expect right. things to get better, right. right? Because we're still. It makes no fucking sense. That's right. I agree with you, but I just so, want to hear. So, so people are going to still call the police for the guy that's sitting naked on the park bench, rubbing poop in his hair, right? Right. All right. So, so. We have to deal with that. There, there's, we have these issues of mental illness and of addiction in our, in our society. So, I mean, I mean, so until you have something that's going to replace the police and, and the fact that people call 911 for everything right now, um, you, you can't just turn the funding off. So here's, here's, I'll give you my quick answer to that is um, the police are ill-equipped and ill-trained to deal with the, the many, many issues that we go to that aren't people robbing banks or people stealing cars and things like that, right? So we're going to a ton of things that that's not going to go away when you flip that funding switch off. Yeah. Those calls are still going to come in. I'm an advocate of, of, of let's, let's all talk about real solutions to this person who's dealing with a mental illness or dealing with some, uh, some addiction problem that's out in society. We need to, we need to fund um, uh, some kind of uh, you know, response, some kind of resource to, to help these folks to deal with these things. And when we do that, um, naturally, the police won't need to deal with that anymore. So it's not defunding. We just won't need that resource. And, right. and I won't need that much funding. No. Uh, yeah, and, and, the, and, and so I'm not going to be asking for more officers. I'm not going to be asking for more, more funding for those kinds of things because it's already being handled, and I can go back to just doing what is more traditional police work and dealing with issues and problems in the community um, that are quality of life issues and things like that. But right now so much of our time is, de- is, is spent dealing with these things that the police are not, are not able to, to – uh, we're, we're not really equipped for – and then what happens is because these mental Ill- illness issues, these addiction issues, no one's really having, you know, uh, effectively dealing with that. Um, next thing you know, that guy sitting on the park bench has somehow gotten a sword and is running around swinging that. And, and then there's a big use of force deal and the police end up killing this person. And now all of society is like, well, what happened? Oh, how did this Poor happen? Guy. He this was is so playing horrible. with a sword. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and all of us, the police are looking at, well, somebody deal with him before it gets to that yeah. if someone would deal with that problem with homelessness with 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 mental illness with addictions let's deal with that before 
it turns into a use of force situation. Yeah. There's, there's your kind of, of your course. overarching answer. Now, that's a very complex I, issue. I, I have so many more questions. But <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, fuck, well, this is well, another. I got a whole bunch. Yeah. Of, I, got, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of answers to a lot of questions. Well, and, and, we'll, and there's we'll, a, we're going to get together at somehow. We got to figure out a schedule, but we'll definitely do that. Uh, awesome. How did you get into motorcycles? So I was in the fourth grade, and my, my dad, I think he fourth regretted grade. later on, and he bought, but he bought me a dirt bike because I got good grades one time. Yeah, right. I, I had one a, time. One time, I got good. What grades. a great father! Yeah, and and uh, and so I've been riding dirt. But it's kind of it's kind of the typical story. I've been riding dirt bikes, fine. You know, ever since I was a kid. There's nothing typical that I got grades one time, and my father bought me a dirt bike. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> well, I, so I had an older brother that was a straight A student. Man, I right. mean, he's he's, he's uh, you know, he one time he got a 96 on a report card. He was very upset about it, right? Yeah. So my dad would come to me looking for the rest of the alphabet, and uh, and so uh, he told me one time I gave. Because I really wanted a motorcycle. He goes, well, all right, well, if you get, if you get, you know, however many A's, and I did. So he bought me a dirt bike, and that was it. And I was, and I was hooked. And you never got an A ever again. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> the deal was off the table after that, yeah. right? So I've been riding dirt bikes my, you know, all, as a kid growing up. And then, uh, uh, buddy and I, um, man, I was like 17 or so, and unbeknownst to my dad, uh, he and I chipped in together and we bought a uh, Virago. Remember the, remember the old. Little street bike and uh, I didn't I have a license. I never yeah. saw it. Ever. Oh, it's great it was like a bike. straight out off road. And, and we we rode this street bike around. We traded and swapped it. And and uh, my dad found out and that was done. And so I I didn't I I didn't lost my share of the of the of the motorcycle. And then I you know I went in the military. And then later on I, I uh, I've owned just about every kind of street bike. I've, I've even had a Goldwing at one time for, you know, I got a Whoa. good deal on it, right? Yeah, you're way too young. Oh, I'm yeah. Just kidding, Goldwing listeners. So, I, so it was a, um, but I've had Harley Davidsons, four or five different Harley Davidsons, and then, and I've had, you know, a couple of other brands, just, just assorted bikes, and, and uh, didn't really do much on the dirt, you know, in my adult life. Um, and then one, uh, one year, it had to be probably 2000, uh, oh, I don't remember when it was, probably 2015 or 16. Um, I had a, a Harley Davidson street glide, gorgeous, beautiful orange, orange bike. And a buddy and I are in Uray, Colorado. And, uh, we'd taken the million dollar highway from Silverton up to Uray. And I kept seeing these guys on adventure bikes and, and they're leaving the highway. And I'm like, Fuck, that looks so fun that uh, they're, they're going out and seeing stuff I can't see from the highway Yeah, and they're all packed up with tents and they're, and I'm like, that's, that's that's cool. I'm missing out on. Some I'm missing. Shit. Some, yep. And so, so I started researching it. I started started looking at them, and uh, I sold that that Street Glide, and uh, and I was about to buy. Um, I was actually looking at the KTM's, you know, actually. And, like the Dukes and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no, the big adventure, the, yeah, the big yeah. one. And so I so, so then I thought, you know, take a 1200 cc bike or 1190 cc bike. I, I better get a class. And I'd been through the police motorcycle school and stuff like that. And I thought. Yeah, but that's a big bike to take off road, and so I started researching that. And I found Rawhide, and I go, man, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take a class. And then I saw that they sold bikes, and uh, and uh, came up, took a class, and I was hooked. And that was that. I've been drinking the Rawhide Kool Aid since 2017, and bought bought a bike. Uh, from them, and I've been on a ton of I, tours I, with them. You're the second person that brought that up. I yeah. didn't even know they sold bikes. Well, I'm, so I so I sold that 17 that I had, the right. 1200, and I'm and I because I want a 1250. I'll buy another one through here. I'm like 98 percent sure that's what I'm gonna do, and uh, it's just a good deal because yeah. I've, I've been to Baja with them. I've I've been to uh, I've done the Continental Divide ride. I've mm-hmm. done several of them, but um, 
It, it's a, it's a, riding an off-road is addictive. It really is. Yeah. 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 I, I just started this year, so I'm, 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 I'm already starting the, you know, everywhere off-road, off-road. Well, I'm, I'm riding on sidewalks right now. If there's traffic, I'm like, <laughs> well, oh, it's off-road. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's yeah, off-road. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's not on-road. It's off-road. If it's not yeah. on-road, it's off-road. That's, That's how it works. That's a great point. Let's see if that works one day. <laughs> when, the, when the when the police motorcycle uh, yeah, yeah. all sort of like it, it's uh there's something there's something about packing all the shit you need for two three four days and getting off the grid on your bike or something about it it's it's addictive it really is you know i, I can't i don't know it's some, a lot of people don't get it they don't say that's, that's that's okay but um and and with these bikes here the it's it's a comfortable road bike too I mean, I've ridden, I've it's ridden super comfortable road bike. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've ridden it. And every time I go on an off-road adventure, you know, then the trip back on the highway is, is also an awesome ride. So it's just, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Well, thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Appreciate. Yeah. Thank you for your services. Oh, you bet. And, thank you. And we'll be in touch soon. All right. All right Take care, man. You bet. You too. Bye. How, how'd you get into motorcycles? So I've been riding since I was a and, kid. And get closer to the mic. It's just... Yep. So I've been riding since I was a kid. Uh, my father allowed me to get my first motorbike. It was an XR80 when I was about eight years old, and nice. we lived out on the farm. And I just started riding ever since then. What 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 uh, uh, what state did you grow up? Georgia. Georgia. Nice. And it was rural Georgia, so I was able to ride straight from my house all day long. I'd come home from school, get on the motorbike, and and take off and ride with my buddies all day. And the dirt bikes got bigger as I got At older. At eight years old. At eight years old. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. You can't do that now. No, I mean, <laughs> down the streets, down the roads, everywhere, you just take off and go. And I eventually got a Harley when I got to high school. My Somehow I talked my parents into letting me get a Harley. And I kept that through college. Uh, and after that, I kind of let it all go because life got busy, right? And yeah. I joined the military a lot of years later. And my best friend at the time, he was really into BMW motorcycles, and he had this old BMW motorcycle that he rode, you know, all the way from the States down to Guatemala and back, and he used to tell me these wow. great stories. And what, what year? Uh, that was probably 97 he did that. Okay. And he rode it across the top of Canada, too, from coast to coast. Um, so anyway, he's getting ready to deploy to Afghanistan, and he bought this brand-new F800 and he said, hey, I'm leaving next month to Afghanistan. Keep my bike for me and ride it every now and then. Yeah. And it was a beautiful bike, and I hadn't ridden in years. So I got on this motorcycle and fell in love immediately because it's, it's surfs, right? It's just rides so well on the road. And I take this thing out into the California desert, and I bury it completely up to the axles. Oh, shit. Brand new bike. He had yeah. been on it. He had put literally, I think, 23 miles on it at the time. Buried up to the axles, and I sent him a photo in Afghanistan. I said, here's your bike, and it was out in Nakatia Wells or wherever it was. Um, and that's all he got. And when I gave him his bike back, it was, had completely bald tires on it, and I said, hey, thanks for the bike. I went out and bought a GS1200 right after that. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, after that, we What said, a dick. Well, I brought a dick. I said, hey, man. I, I said, hey, I'll buy you a brand new set of yeah, tires. Thanks. And he said, down. don't worry about it. It's an investment for a riding partner. I said, all right, right cool. It's super dope. Uh, so we decided we better learn how to ride these bikes better because they're big and it's not an XR80 anymore, right? Yeah. And we started doing some research too, and we wound up here at Rawhide with Jim and we both took the next step class right out of the gate and did very well as a very small class. I think we had five guys in the class at the time and we took off and loved it and I've gone full blast ever since. Um, how many times have you been here now? To Rawhide for a class only that one time, but I've come back to Adventure Days. I've been to the Expos. I keep in touch with Jim. I keep in touch with the I, I, I don't even – I'm so fresh at this. I don't even right. know the difference. What, what's Because 
you're the fourth or fifth person that said Adventure Days. What's the Adventure Days, the Expos? <clears throat> so the Adventure Days is a rally that Jim has put on here at the Rawhide Ranch, and I think he's done it in some other locations as well. But he'll bring in a lot of the vendors that sells the different parts. Nice. And I didn't know. During that time, he also puts on classes. Um, so how to change a tire, how to travel internationally, you name it. Anything to do with adventure riding, he kind of promotes that and brings in different people to speak towards that. And it's really good. It's a fascinating time. If you want to learn anything about adventure riding, come to Adventure Days and you'll learn something. Same with the Expo. The Expo, he is piggyback onto a larger overland expo event that has been happening for years and now he has brought the motorcycle community into that um and and it kind of changes locations there's now an east and west coast event each year um depending on when and where it is uh it used to be up in arizona on the west coast and it's since changed locations i'm not sure where it's currently at it's still in arizona as far as i know um yeah that's it. So he's done a great job at marketing all this to, to different people. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank, yeah. And thank you for your time. All right. Thanks, all right. man. All right, brother. See My name is Wim de Bruyne. Uh, I'm Dutch. came here in 1982 um, and uh, started nursery business and did that for a number of years and then started uh, getting into motorcycling and uh, always had a passion for motorcycling. It's, uh, I think, a great... A great sport, a great uh, stress reliever for me. Yeah, and uh, it uh, it really uh, has added enormous uh, um, amount of positivity to my life, especially the adventure motorcycling. I used to do street riding, and that became boring. And what, what kind of what kind of street riding? Um, I uh, had. Ducati and uh, street BMWs, and that's how. And Harley, I started off in a Harley Davidson, progressed to the, uh, BMWs, and then I got a Ducati on the side of it. Uh, but uh, what I found is that um, the off road segment is way more interesting because you see a lot more, you discover a lot more, and it's it just is much more fulfilling. Yeah, and also you can do camping. Uh, with adventure motorcycling, which I like a lot. Uh, you you do a lot of camping yes. on the bike. You go out. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I like to do the BDRs. Um, I've um, done all ten of them on the west coast. Um, I've done the Continental Divide also, and uh, I just really like the integration of camping and uh, motorcycling. So do you? So it's it, it, it's like a true freedom machine. It is. It is. You're completely off the grid. You become self-sufficient, um, and um, you plan for you for things going wrong, and uh, it's just it's just empowering. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. How how long overall have you been riding motorcycles now? Um, I've been motor riding motorcycles right now for uh, twenty five years. Twenty five years. Yes. That's amazing. And then currently, what do you ride right now? What's what's your bike? Uh, currently, I ride a uh, KTM 790 Rally. Nice. Yes, and it's uh, it's been a, it's, it's a great bike. I just uh, got it a year ago, and KTM's are, are cool as fuck. <coughs> They're yes. really cool bikes right now. Yeah, I think I um, rode in. Uh, I've had two BMW F 800s before that. Um, great bikes, um, but this is a step up from that. 
What do you think of Rawhide? Is it your first time? You've been here multiple times? I've been here multiple times. I think this is my fourth or fifth time or sixth time. I can't remember exactly, but uh, uh, took some classes over here, took some classes at other um, locations. locations as well, not just with Rawhide, but um, Jimmy Lewis <coughs> and uh, Gary LaPlante. In, um, he's a trials writer. And uh, so I, I had three different instructors, and I took classes with all three of them. And uh, I think they all offer valuable uh, instruction. I think taking classes, I think, is critical. Uh, nobody's born with, or very few people are born with skills. And or talents. Or, or yeah. they have the natural talent. I think most people need to learn how to ride, especially a big 500 pounds or 500 pound plus adventure bike and um, so I think it's money very well spent to get trained and learn how to ride these bikes and um, and then go out and practice it and do it and not let those and, skills and gear burst. too yes and absolutely and right gear yes yeah very important well, well thank you so much for sharing and uh, we'll be seeing more of you I hope so <laughs> <laughs> you got it thank you thank you my name's Tim McCorder. I live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I've always enjoyed the outdoors and motorcycles as far as that goes. First motorcycle experience was actually in San Diego. Uh, my cousin had a one of those little Honda Cub 50 mini bikes, 50cc. I think I was maybe two years old, three years old. Really? Yeah. That young? And he took me for a ride. This group, it gets younger and younger. It's so fucking crazy. He took me for a ride, and I was hooked. So after that, it was all about two wheels. And so I've been riding. Started with just little mopeds and mini bikes in grade school, moving into dirt bikes and then sport bikes when I was in college and high school. And now it's adventure riding all over the world. So... It's a, it, life, it's a lifetime commitment. It, it is a lifetime commitment. Yeah. It, it's funny because right now when we were just like ripping through the curves and stuff, I, I, I forget how big the GSAs are. Mm -hmm. But then I see you on the GSA <laughs> and I see how small it makes you look. And you're a big dude. Yeah. You know, and I see how small it makes you look. And I'm like, fuck, I, I forget how big these bikes are. But they don't they don't yeah. ride like that or, 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 or you know, in no, any, any I, way they, they ride in. They're gentle, nice, nicely balanced, good power, good power band. No, yeah. and then for me, it just fits who I am. That the and you ride style. really good, by the way. No, Everybody here has, but I, I was <laughs> I was I was behind you, so okay. I, yeah, you ride very well. Thanks. What yeah. What do you ride at home now? I have a GSA. GSA twelve fifty or twelve hundred? Just a twelve hundred. Yeah, but after a today, twelve hundred, not just the twelve. After today, that twelve fifty is looking pretty sweet. You feel the difference? Yeah, I could. Throttle response was way different. Yeah. And you can get that front end up right away. Right away. Yeah. And did you and did you feel that did you did you use clutch the whole time? Yeah, for I'm still first, old second, school. third. So oh, that goes away. I'm old school. <laughs> well, think about it. We're all old school. Yeah. There's not one person that's not old school. But when you get used to that, just first gear and then just shifting without yeah. gearing. It's, I have to try that tomorrow. Yeah. So, so remember, when you're to when you're accelerating, you can go up. Because sometimes okay. if it's like sometimes we have the habit of of letting go of gas, grabbing clutch, and shifting gears kind of at the same right. time, you don't want to do that. You want to continuously accelerate okay. and shift. And you could shift two, three times. You could shift two, 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 
and it, and it, it responds. Dang. And same thing, if you want to downshift, you got to be, you know, you got to be coming down, coming down on the All on right. the gears and stuff. All right. Once you get used to that, it, it's a mind blower. Yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you think of uh, what do you think of this whole experience? And is it your first time? Yes, yeah, it's the first time at Rawhide. And nice. This whole leadership institute was really the draw, and the the fact that I could come out of the snowy north and ride in California for a couple of days was huge. So R- remind us real quick, just for shits and giggles, coming from where you're at with snow and and just yeah, you know, during this season, I get it. Just during the season, how bad or how would you compare where you're from in California? Like day and night or... As this time of year? Yeah, this yeah. time of year. This time of year. I mean, there's no way you could get out into the backcountry and ride. Um, we've got to wait till optimistically the end of April before things finally start melting. Yeah. So so this is just perfect. It gets you out of your stir-crazy, you know... And it must be tough because you... Energy and you get down here and you can just rip. So yeah. it's fun. And it must be frustrating because you had the whole COVID thing and then to enter into winter yeah. and now you're trapped because of the weather. Yeah. yeah so this was freeing. But, you know, COVID, that's the beauty of what we do. We can get out in the backcountry and not see people and not be exposed to anything and still. Compared you know, to L.A., you're yeah. just, if shit hits do the fan, thing. you have no chance. No, it's, it is different down here at that time. So yeah. that's where we have the advantage. Yeah. Touche. Thank you so much. No, this is cool. Absolutely. All right, brother. Take care. You too. My name is David Knorr. I'm a, uh, let's see, an author. So I've got my 11th book coming out this year. I'm a senior leadership board advisor and uh, I'm an executive coach. And um, which we love what you've been doing here, but but sorry for interrupting. No, it's been been a lot of fun and it's been uh, Jim Hyde's vision to bring business professionals together to both learn in a leadership institute, but also get out and ride. So uh, let's see how I got into motorcycle. Um, wife and kids bought me a 49cc scooter for Father's Day 10 years ago. But my parents are retired college professors. Before that, I'd never been on a bike, didn't know anything about bikes. And um, I'm at an intersection, and this guy's on a Harley. Yeah. And this Harley's like, dut, 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 dut. and I went home and I told my wife, honey, the man was on a hog and here I'm on a piglet. Please, right. my manlyhood <laughs> is at How stake. How dare you? Can we please upgrade? So I started doing some work with the Motorcycle Industry Council and they were auctioning off a couple Hondas in their lobby. And I walk in, I'm like, what are these? And they're like, we're, you know, we're selling them for MSF. Yeah. And I said, well, how much? They're like, well, half of what you'd pay retail. And yeah. I'm like, I'll take one. Gears are whining. Yeah. Right. And, and then I'm thinking, I don't know how to ride. I don't have any of the gear. And how am I going to tell my wife? They're like, we'll give you the gear. We'll teach you how to ride. The wife, you're on your own. Yeah. So that was the Honda DN01, which was the Badmobile yeah, 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 thing yeah. a while back, but it was automatic. Right. Oh, it was I'm, automatic. It was automatic. Then. Holy shit. I'm at a buddy's house and there's this gorgeous black bike in back of his garage. Yeah. Like, What's that? He said, it's a Ducati. I said, a what? A Ducati, what? Yeah. He said, let me just turn it on uh, for your audience. It was a triple nine. Nice. With a dry clutch. Oh, shit. He turns it on. Da, 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 That Ducati I'm sound. Like, right? Have you ever thought about selling it? He's like, no. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> and here's a glimpse into the male psyche. I'm right. thinking, that's black. 
my DNA one is black. Maybe the wife won't notice. Right. Oh, she noticed. So uh, that was my first bike. Was a triple nine. I remember distinctly going seventy-two miles an hour in the second gear. Oh my god! And uh, turned that into a track bike. So fast forward ten years, I've been to fourteen different schools. Uh, I've uh, bought and sold twenty-two bikes. At one point, I owned seven bikes. Wow! So now I ride a Ducati Multistrada twelve hundred S. Very nice. My son rides a Hypermotard. 939 SP. I was between those two bikes for so long. And I've got a daughter who rides a Triumph Street Triple. So the whole family's riding. The kids, I I, I dragged the kids into, you know, dirt bikes and MSF ever since they were little, be like, I think when they're five, six years old, their mom doesn't want anything to do with it. But yeah, the kids and I now ride together and we've got centers in our helmets. Isn't that fucking amazing? It's unbelievable. We talk about. Uh, boys, we talk about college, we talk about money, we talk about all jobs, all that on all the rides. At and the I same time, hey, be careful, your blinker's still on, <laughs> right. and I got to go to the bathroom. That's right. Doesn't it feel like sometimes you're reading the person's mind, or you like, it, it, it's mind-boggling. But, but I got to tell you, as a dad, it is the coolest feeling ever to ride with your kids. Yeah. And you've seen them little bitty kind of grow up, and now they're on their own. They're, they're no longer behind you, right? Right. They're on their own. And for them to learn the skills and develop a passion for writing, yeah. like you do, it's uh, it's just incredibly rewarding. And it's so cool. So I was here at Rawhide with my 17-year-old son last weekend. And he wrote intro, did the intro class. I did Next Step. And I think Jim Hyde said, in 20-some-odd years, we're the fourth or fifth father-son that have come at the same time. That's it was so just cool. such a cool experience. And for Jim to tell you that, yeah. it even means more because Jim's such a fucking solid dude. It, just, it was such a great experience. And then so we're going to go together on the uh, Continental Divide, and it's 2,200 miles over nine days. It's next July just to spend that time with your kid. Man. Before he goes off to college, it's just awesome. It just cannot wait. Really excited about that. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. And, and 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 how do you think you're 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 giving the lectures for this weekend? It's yeah. a first time ever. How how? What's your opinion? What do you think about the crowd? And- I got I got to tell you. So so number one, kudos to Jim for the vision because he looked at his clients and he figured out that a lot of them are business professionals and business owners, and you gotta love it. He puts out a video. I, I created a video and he distributed that and. Yeah, 20-some-odd people signed yeah. up. And everybody's like, what took you so long? And what a great idea. And But probably like you, I am in awe of the eclectic people that are in that room. We've got miners. We've got some guy that chemical. Police officer. We've got a retired police chief. We've got yeah, it's, it's so Navy random. SEAL guy. We've got, I mean, we've got a service pro franchise guy. We've got a guy who just sold a bunch of Wendy's. I mean, it's just. It's the, amazing. The eclectic people that are in the room, and you heard me say this yesterday, they're going to learn as much from each other around the fire pit and over a beer and at dinner than they are from me during the day. And yeah. that's the Well, cool. that's not true. You deliver a great fucking message. <laughs> you, do, you do. The way you present it, the way you, What I like about what you're teaching is it, it's so modern and you involve the social media, you involve the digital, but you involve the professional and... And, you know, I mean, the only thing we're missing now is P&L sheets and, you know, how to evaluate That's a tomorrow. company. That's coming right. tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm sure it is. And we're only halfway through it. Yeah. So the, the way that you grabbed everything and yeah. present it, yeah. I, I think you did an outstanding job, especially because you have such a variety of 
of an audience, you know, like we said, a miner, a police officer, a guy that sold Wendy's, people from the country. It's 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 a crazy no, crowd. I, I appreciate it. It's very kind of you. So what 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 I was able to do is kind of look at the attendees in advance. Yeah. And I was thinking, as I put the content together, what are some of the fundamental challenges they're all going to have? And if you think about it, COVID set a lot of people back. I think we're all sick of this pandemic. We're all ready to yeah. kind of, right? By the same token, it has changed a lot of what we do and how we do it, right? And you heard me say this yesterday. I don't know any organization that can cut its way to growth. Right. So it's all about how do we identify net new growth opportunities? That's a lot of what we talked about today. Yeah. Right? I gave the, the group you know, very specific strategies on how to really drive profitable growth in your business. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about raising capital. How do I, there's, by the way, for your audience, 96 billion with a B of capital sitting on the sidelines looking for good deals. Imagine. Looking for businesses that can scale, looking for businesses that are profitable, looking for businesses that have, have identified a niche that they want to really cater to. And, and, and good investors are looking for, you know, not everybody's, Facebooks and Ubers and those guys are, are anomalies, right? There are right. a lot of singles and doubles that happen as Absolutely. well as those home runs, right? So we're going to talk about raising capital tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, really how to uh, innovate not just product or services, but your business model. Yeah. Right? Today you saw how many hands went up when I asked how many people subscribe to Amazon Prime, like almost like the whole entire right. room. And most of us don't think twice about that. Right. And it's become a We don't even consider it as a task to do. <laughs> right. And, and it's become a multi-billion dollar, you know, revenue source for that company. Yeah. So you got to have that mindset. How can I think like Amazon? How can I bring some of those attributes to my, regardless of what business you're in? Right. That recurring revenue gives you visibility into future revenue growth, future cash flow. And so, so tomorrow we're going to talk a lot about business model innovation. We're going to talk about today. We talked about execution, execution. Which I really liked. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about 10 stories. Every business leader should tell now. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the hero's journey because people may never remember your points. They'll always remember your stories. Right. And that's why this podcast, you ask, how did you get into bikes? How did you get, People remember stories. Yeah. And, and if you want to be remembered and repeated, you've got to build a story that gets reinforced. And yeah. people are going to remember that story. And they can, they can relate to them. And they're going to repeat it. And they're going to, hey, let me introduce you to Joe. You know, you're not going to believe this. He owns that dealership or he's doing that thing. Or and Jim is masterful at this, right? So, right. you know, between the wine and... and all the stuff that I mean, he and touches. The environment. Yeah. He touches so many different lives, and he sees so many different people in so many different industries. This was just a natural. This was just a great idea to get it started, and I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your feedback, and I am looking forward to tomorrow. And maybe we'll do a podcast soon too. I'd love that. Thanks. I appreciate you having me, and uh, best of luck to you and and your efforts. Thank you so much. I'll do a three, two, one count. Yeah. And once I do that, just start off by my name is, I'm from, and you know, whatever, whatever you want to fucking say, whatever. You can jump on and say, fuck you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you All want. Right, you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Hey, my name's Scott Davis. I'm actually from Costa Mesa. 
born and raised up in Northern California, moved to Costa Mesa for uh, college, never nice. left. Nice. So run a bathroom remodeling company. Started it senior year of college, still doing it 30 years later. Holy shit. How'd you get into motorcycles? Motorcycles. Um, actually, if I thought about it, I was talking, talking to a friend the other day, and he said, how do you get into motorcycles? And I said, you know, it was my grandfather. He used to jump in on the back of his motorcycle um, ever since I can remember and just do little rides every single time. And every time I came to see him, I, that's all I wanted to do. Jump on the back of the yeah. bike and go for a ride. We'd wake up in the How morning. Old? Gosh, since I was like probably six. Wow. Yeah. And I just a I lot just of young don't. people. A lot of people got in young. Yeah. No, I didn't start riding. Right, but I no, was, but you were still riding in the back of a motorcycle. Yeah, it was it was great times. So I just I will never forget that. Those are those one of the greatest times, you know. And then when, how old were you when you started riding your own bike? Well, sometime about I guess I must have been about twelve, and somehow I talked my mom into buying one of those little, little uh, scooters with the Briggs and Stratton engine. You had to pull it the whole yeah, thing yeah. on there and i don't know why she let me buy that thing because she said well you can't ride it around the neighborhood and i said oh of course not I'm not at all. Know. i wouldn't ride it around the neighborhood when you go to work yeah every day yeah i rode that thing all over the neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> you driving the neighbors crazy oh yeah i love that thing and then uh but she let me have the whole thing and the next thing you know she let me buy a little rm uh 80 so started going out uh, dirt bike riding with uh, older friends who could actually drive when I was about 13. Yeah. Yeah. Started not only to learn about motorcycles, but you learn about tequila really quick around the campfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, hilarious. Yeah. So that's how I got it. So, <laughs> and then from there on, you never stopped? No, actually, I did stop. Um, I, I made the mistake. I went to, to school, so I moved from Northern California to Southern California. What, what, what part of Northern California were you in? Uh, San Jose. San Jose, nice. Yeah, so I went for to, a week. Yeah, so I went down south, uh, UC Irvine, mm -hmm. and I don't know how I got this into my head, but I figured, okay, now I'm going to a college. Now I got to be an adult now. Yeah. You know, after right. I graduated college, even though I was, we started our business there, right, senior year of college, but I thought, okay, now I got to start doing like adult things. So I picked up golf. Because mm. someone told me that's what you're supposed to do, right? When you, uh, when you're an adult you're and finished adult. in university, exactly. So I played golf for gosh, ten plus years. Did you enjoy it, or you just did it because I, I, I enjoyed it? Because I mean, I like to, yeah, I like to win, right? But one of these days, I said, "Screw that!" I mean, five hours of my day. So I went down. I'm not a big sports guy or whatever. I went down on Super Bowl Sunday, about. 2 o'clock to a motorcycle dealership. I'll never forget this because the game comes on about 3.15. Right. They wanted me the hell out of there. And I'm like looking at a, like a, a dirt bike, and I'm just like, you know, I can do a little bit better on the price on this thing. The guy's like, he wants to watch the Super Bowl. He's like, fine, an extra 500 bucks off. I'm like, wrap it up. <laughs> wow. So I bought it right for the— uh, That's some good advice if you're, if you're going to buy a motorcycle from somebody that likes sports. <laughs> Yeah. Go right before the, the FIFA World Cup and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, come on. Give me a better deal. So, yeah. So now I have uh, $3 <laughs> at the time, and I'm like, and I get back into motorcycles. So I yeah. got a dirt bike, started riding around or whatever else. And then somehow my dad, who had never ridden motorcycles, ended up buying a GS. Nice. Bought it from a dealer at Monterey. The dealer says, hey, if you're going to want to learn how to ride this thing, 
you got to go down and talk to Jim Hyde. You know, this was like 2006. Yeah. And so my dad got hooked up with uh, Rawhide, did a couple uh, training th- sessions and whatnot. Wow. That's... Yeah. And then he shared that with me. And as soon as I found out he bought a GS, boom, I went to a BMW dealership, picked one up right away. And I Signed said, let's up. ride together. Yeah. That's, so, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. So I, I stopped being an adult. And that's when you stopped. That's when you truly lived your life and you were free. Exactly. Awesome. And and, and what do you think of this whole weekend? Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. So I... You see a lot of stuff you're going to be able to apply to your business? Absolutely. I mean, I, I was talking to Nora and I mean, I was honest with my good, you know, at these things, you don't really learn anything. Right. If you do, you got some problems. You right. You don't really learn. You're reminded you are... Uh, focus it's brought to your attention again what your what your priorities have drifted off course you know you and said, so you a lot of things just pop right pop here. in your face like you know you're hearing this again you're hearing this again get you know you need to focus on this one thing yeah execution so, yeah yeah that's exactly how i feel it, it's it's not new information it's just information that needs to be put in your face and reminded hey you failed on doing this yeah handle it yeah i think great speakers i think great teachers are not about really teaching you something and obviously math science things you're going to learn something new but right this is this is life skill stuff absolutely this is, this is life skills survival skills every all of the above business skills focus on what's important take care of your people prioritize things i mean none of it's rocket science but it needs to be you need to take the time to get yourself in a mental state to receive it yeah you know and then there's always that coming off the mountain experience then you got to apply it yeah and that's where the the challenge really comes and all bullshit aside it, it's information you can learn at a university but what you're going to pay at a university compared to coming here what you pay here and get to ride motorcycles after class is fucking priceless nah, I mean, at a university you're going to there's learn, a balance you, you learn how to learn right but once you've actually been beat up in the business world a little bit, yeah. you learn what you don't know, or more importantly, you learn what you what you refuse to apply. Right. And as it keeps coming back up, it keeps coming back up, and it keeps coming back up, and then you go out on a weekend like this, and some guy that you've never met, right before you get on motorcycles, reminds you of the stuff that you haven't done again. Yeah. And you want to go, okay, I got to do this. You know, thirty years in business, like these things have got to get done. Simple stuff. See, I know. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm fucking guilty as fuck. Yeah. No, I tell, I tell my guys in my business all the time, simple is not easy. Simple is not easy. And if it was, everybody else would be doing it. Exactly. Well, thank so. you so much for your time. Thank yeah. you for your feedback. Thank you. And thank we'll you. be in touch. Yeah. Thanks for making me think of it. Absolutely. Know? Think of Grandpa. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, Grandpa. My name is Robert Glass. I go by Rob. How we doing, Rob? I'm good, man. I'm good. Where are you from? Well, I was raised in the Midwest in uh, Southern Illinois area, but uh, my mail goes to Atlanta now. I lived in Atlanta for 30 years, but my home is actually wherever my motorcycle is. That's amazing. How long has that been the case? Um, five, six years, seven years, six, seven years, somewhere in there. Yeah, I lose track of time. I'm, it's, you know, I'm at that age where I just don't keep track of time anymore. May I ask how? 
I'm into my 69th year. Wow, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, man. You, you write like a champ. You write yeah, better than anybody I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a little bit of practice. When you live at Rawhide, which is what I do, and I, uh, I help coach out here, and I do other things too with Jim. And I want to hear all that. Yeah, I just want to know real quick, how did you get into motorcycles? What was your first motorcycle experience? Uh, my first motorcycle experience was a Pinton 125. Pinton, you know what that is? Yeah, yeah well, it's... Um, I think it's what Husqvarna eventually turned into. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're amazing. John Penton was the uh, the man that would, uh, created the thing. So that was, that was back in the 70s when I was in college. So I had a buddy, a roommate, that was into motorcycles. And so we decided to just go buy bikes. And uh, so we did. And, you know, learned the hard way, you know, just by ourselves. Yeah. You know, made all the mistakes that you could make. But I did that just for a couple of years and then started you know, uh, being an adult at that point. And uh, my next bike was an RT, uh, BMW RT, but that was about uh, 10, 12 years ago. 10, 12 uh, years ago. 10, 12 years ago. So I started riding off-road actually when I turned 62. Oh, really? Yeah. So brand new. You, you yeah. just started. And I thought I started yeah. late. No, man. No, man. There's, there's, <laughs> there's hope for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, there's never, it's never too late to, uh, to start riding off-road. What, what, made you, what made you go that route? Uh, well, when I had my RT, I kept wanting uh, to take it off-road. You know? I kept trying to, and it didn't work. If for those folks that have ridden RTs, you know, they're not good in dirt. Uh, so I stopped doing that for a little bit, and then, um, you know, I, I had a I had my own business, and I uh, got at a point in my life where I decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And uh, so, essentially, I what were you doing? Just curiosity. I uh, had a, uh, a marketing company where I was working with uh, higher ed. I did uh, communications and uh, marketing strategy for for colleges and universities. Did that for about thirty years. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, it was and good. thirty years. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah a Proven track record. Yeah, you know. So I was a very established uh, person with a uh, normal life. You know, children, wife, uh, nice house in Atlanta, and I uh, decided that it was about time to make a change at that point, or my ex decided that it was about time for us to make a change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so was, was that the turning point? Yeah, that was the turning point. That was, uh, you know, it, it just... Uh, Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. Oh, man, she's still an awesome person, though. That's the thing. You yeah, know? yeah, that's still, but sometimes, I think, you know, it just... Uh, I think I'm is. still in love with her, you know. That's the thing. That's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so uh, we decided to part ways, and uh, I decided at that point that I wanted to uh, divest myself of pretty much everything that I had, and uh, so that's what I did. I, I left Atlanta, you know, when I was 62, whatever year that was, seven years ago, and uh, I left with a with my pickup truck and my motorcycle and some camping gear. Nice, you and know. came west? It took four months to ride off-road. Um, went uh, from Atlanta up to Seattle, which is where my older son lives, and uh, I had no... No schedule, you know, no no itinerary, no route. I just wanted to ride off road as much as I could. So I'd take my take my bike on my truck and I'd set up a base camp, and then I'd go explore whatever area I wanted to explore. Off grid, you know, off grid, yeah, want, yeah, man, just off want. grid, yeah, yeah. It was an awesome thing, and it still is. That's I'm still doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and what's your role here at Rawhide? 
Well, partnership development is my is my title, but I pretty much do everything that uh, you do or everything. A- anything that Jim needs to have done, basically. Yeah. Which seems like it's everything. Yeah, man. It's, there's, there's nothing I haven't seen you not do. Uh, well, you know, it's it's a great lifestyle for me. You know, yeah. I'm re- you know, I'm retired, and uh, he provides me a place to uh, hang out. And where better is there to ride than right here? Absolutely. This is like the epicenter of off-road riding, right here. Absolutely. I get to live it. You know, I get to ride the... Uh, you poor thing. Man, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm suffering. Yeah. I'm just so Nobody suffering. wants that. <laughs> so I get to ride all the, um, you know, all the practice courses that we've got here, the tracks here on the property. We've got 250, 300 acres of uh, tracks. And it's like just going to the gym. You know, yeah. just do that every day. Uh, for a little bit, and then uh, come in and do my work. What, what are the, the the coolest developments you've seen in your seven years oh, in and out from Rawhide? Oh man, that you're excited. You're like, oh, I love this and I love that. Well, we've got uh, what's the coolest, <laughs> and then what's the hardest? Well, and then what's hmm. that's it? What's the coolest and the hardest thing you guys have done since hmm. you've been here for 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 probably people the uh, probably the coolest and the hardest is uh, we've developed this property out in the Mojave called Zakar. Zakar, yeah. Zakar. And uh, Z-A-K-A-R, you can uh, Google that. And it's out near California City. We've got about 100 acres out there. And uh, it's, it's a pretty awesome riding area. If you've not ridden in the Mojave, it's an experience that you need to have. It's, uh, on, my, it's on my checklist. Oh, man. It's just, um, it's like, well, the best riding that I've done is probably in Utah. And I've ridden, I've ridden every, uh, throughout the United States, North America, uh, Mexico, some Canada, uh, South America, um, South Africa, um, but the best riding is, I think, Utah. Yeah, yeah, Utah, and and, what it, what, and it, southern what, and southern California. What, what is it about Utah? And what's the best? Man, season? it's so rustic. It's just so raw. It's just uh, uh, it's beautiful. You can imagine at certain points uh, when you're in Utah that this used to be a seabed. You know, and you can see in the in the distance that where a shore was at one point, but now it's just dirt it's and just sand dirt. and rock. Yeah, don't they find like seashells and stuff like that? Oh, you that find out all there? kind of they, sea, cool. yeah, sea fossils out in fossils, Utah. Fossils, yeah, know? yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's just awesome. And so, uh, I've just been blessed, Rob, uh, in the fact that I've been able to ride. All these great places, all these great, uh, you know, the northern rim of the, of the of Grand Canyon. It's awesome. Turweep Overlook, if you haven't done that yet, that's another awesome area. It's near St. George, Utah. Okay, I, uh, I, I got I to gotta make a bigger checklist. Man, uh, the John Burr Trail <laughs> in Boulder, Utah is another one. Yeah. All, all good ones. Oh, they're just, uh, you know, it's, it's what's so awesome at my age is that uh, I keep replaying the rides over and over in my head. You yeah. know, and uh, well, now you just got a, a, a GoPro, right? So now you don't have to do that anymore. No, you, you just got to figure out how to use it. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm torn about the, about the GoPro uh, because I like to ride without a lot of uh, planning or uh, having to uh, uh, kind of recapture what's been happening. I like to live at the, in the moment. That's one of the things I like most about riding off-road is that you're always in the moment. Yeah. You're not thinking about what happened in the past. Uh, you're not thinking about the problems that you had yesterday. You're not thinking about, I have to go to the grocery store tomorrow. You can't. No. You're thinking about what's happening right now. You're thinking about the road right in front of you. Right in front of My you. My experience right now is I had, 
I had three little moments that I was like, what, what's going on here? And it's because I got distracted. Right. It's because I was like, oh, I should be on that side. Wait a minute. Right. I'm not on that side. And, you know, right. it causes you to slip or I basically, you know, was able to, you know, able to recover yeah. Yeah. a few times. Yeah. But you, you have to be present. You have to be in that now moment because exactly if you're not, right. you're yeah. going to eat shit. It's a, it's a very meditative kind of thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's a great way to train yourself to live at that moment, to appreciate what's happening at that moment. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and even even if you have an ego, you got to put that to the side. Oh yeah. You know, if you have a temper, you got to put that to the side. Yeah. The more frustrated, or the you know, if anything you do outside of riding and staying focused on the ride, it, it's it's going to go bad. You know, it's interesting when we have folks come in for training. Uh, one of the things that I talk about is you know just leave your ego behind because you're going to be challenged, uh, you're going to be frustrated, uh, and you're going to be frightened. You know, at certain points in this in this training process, and it's a great feeling. You know, to feel that adrenaline that you used to feel when you were a teenager, when you would try something new and you really didn't know how to do it, and you had this uh, this uh, feeling in the pit of your stomach that you were just kind of really nervous about. Yeah. And then, as we become adults, you know, life becomes too calm. You know, it just becomes like too controlled. It's just everything is just you know mediocre. It's okay. I don't want to push myself. I don't want to press myself into any kind of new situations. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Riding off road just diminishes all of that. It does. Yeah, man. I, I'm. I'm. I. Th everything you said, I felt that today. Yeah. I felt scared, terrified, nervous. Yeah. You know, but all, all, I knew I just had to stay focused and be present. So we oh. had some we had some great mud uh, mud mud ride uh, portions today. Yeah, you know that one uh, where everybody was going down. Yeah, uh, and that was all. That was like, you know, as a uh, as a ride coach, you know. So I'm 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 uh, riding sweeps. So I'm the last person, and so I'm thinking in my own mind. All right, so I can't fuck this up, you know. I am I'm sort of an example. You know, people are going to look at me, and if I can do this, it's like they're going to say, oh, okay, he's a rawhide coach. He knows how to ride this stuff. Yeah. But if I fall down. That's it. That's it. It's bad. If he fell. It's, it's, if he fell, then I can't it's do it. Over. But there have been so many times when I have fallen, you know, in that kind of situation. And so you just got to get away. You just got to push the ego away and just do it. But still, there's that anxiety. It's like the performance anxiety. Yeah. I've got to perform to a certain degree. But it's only last now. It's not like a. It's not like a continual thing, like it used to be, uh, for me as an adult. It's just a temporary thing. Just like, yeah. just like, you have to commit, you know. And that's the that's the another wonderful thing about riding off road is you have to commit, to and and you have to make a decision almost instantaneously, and it's either the right decision or the wrong decision. You'll find out. End story. Yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, Rob, what, what piece of advice would you offer uh, new riders um, of any sort, you know, off-road, on-road, you know? What? Well, get the training. Get training. Um, that's, that's really the, um, I think, the secret sauce of being successful in, in uh, pretty much anything that you do is, is, is find a mentor, find somebody that can teach you how to do what you want to do better. Um, there are a lot of great off-road uh, training facilities available and also on-street uh, track facilities available. 
I'm prejudiced. I think Rawhide's just awesome. Um, and, you know, um, we, uh, we always send out a survey um, and we ask one of the questions that we always ask, what are the first three words that come to mind when you think of your Rawhide weekend experience? And camaraderie is probably the number one word. Yeah. Uh, fun is another and adventure is another. So when you combine those three, the camaraderie is something I think a lot of people are surprised about uh, when they, when after, they, after they've been here, is they don't realize that they're going to bond with these other folks that come yeah. in. And it's just like uh, uh, some really um, uh, relationships have developed out of, their, out of having the Rawhide Weekend experience where people continue to be together, ride together, plan trips together, and they didn't even know each other before they came. Right. No, the, the bonding's amazing. Yeah. Rob, thank you so much for your time. I'll give you my three words. Fucking amazing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you soon, brother. Thank you, man. <laughs> Hi, I'm Roger Bender. I've, uh, I'm from Cedar City, Utah, southern Utah. Um, my introduction, my reintroduction to motorcycles came about 19... 19- or 2012, my kid called me up and says, hey, we're going for a ride. I said, okay. You know, I haven't ridden a motorcycle in 40 years. He says, that's okay. I said, I don't have a motorcycle. He says, that's okay. <laughs> so I said, you're going to have to handle that because I don't even know what motorcycles are about right now. Yeah. So he bought, he bought me a 2001... FS650 GS BMW. Very nice. It, it is a nice little bike. I still have it. And Very I, cool. Yeah, it, it's, it's just one of those things. And I rode it from, we rode it from Seattle all the way down 101 into 1 and to a place uh, on just south of San Francisco. Stayed there. We, it took us about four or five days to get there. We had a couple of his friends with us. It's a great trip. I always remember it. Then we rode from there over to Utah, stayed there a couple of days, my home, to, my, where I live, and rode through uh, um, Yosemite Park and whatnot. Beautiful. And it really was a great ride, and I, and I got a bunch of crap from my kid. He says uh, we were coming down a hill, and it was kind of steep, and I was having some little jitters from it, but he says, there's cars passing a guy on a motorcycle. It's my dad. How's that make me feel? <laughs> Oof. Yeah. So yeah. I said, I'll get better. So we, um, that was my reintroduction to motorcycles, but I realized the bike was a great bike. I love it. Nimble. Uh, yeah, it's nimble, and but it's not, uh, it's not as friendly as you'd like it to be on the road. And a lot of that came from my inexperience, but I realized I needed a bigger bike, so I bought a 1200 GSA. It was a used one about a year later. And uh, that's what I'm riding today. Been a, a wonderful experience. Um, just a little bit about, uh, I realized that I was riding a bike that had a lot of potential, but I had no idea how to make it work. Yeah. So I, I went into, you know, did some research. Rawhide came up. Just uh, watched, looked at some of the videos and some of the things they had to say, and I thought, nah, that, that looks like the kind of thing that I would like to do. 
So in 2017, I took my first class here, the intro to adventure, whatever it is. Had a great time, met some wonderful people that I still have contact with, uh, did the ride in the desert, and then later that year, rode the Continental Divide, and Jim was uh, Jim led the, the ride. Right. And uh, it, it became a... Uh, became almost an obsession with me after that so it was something that I, I really realized I like this I'm having a lot of fun and huh. when you get older I'm I'll be my next birthday I'll be 72 wow so you look great and you ride like a kid well <laughs> in a good way is what I mean yeah, yeah you know what I mean yeah no I, I, I it's something I do enjoy and 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 and, and it's it's been a wonderful um, a wonderful experience but when you as you get older it really is hard to come across things that you you um, get excited about you truly get excited get, about. truly get excited about you know I mean my grandkids right now they're getting to the point that they're people right and I'm really enjoying them so I really enjoy any time I spend with them my kids the same way yeah but this is something that's totally separate so, I have really enjoyed riding these motorcycles and learning how to do that and being able to uh, uh, just to say, hey, if I want to take this road and ride up that hill, I know how to do it. I can. Just that confidence. What's that worth? You know, it's, it's priceless. Priceless. It's totally priceless. So, so it's, been a, it's been a fun experience. Came back a year later, did the... Uh, the second uh, step, the next step, and um, then we rode into in Baja. Uh, you did done, the Baja one. Yeah, I did the Baja Fuck. one. That How many miles was that one? You know, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, it was quite a ways, probably a couple thousand miles. Fucking uh, we right rode on. From, we rode from from Rawhide. Uh, the scariest part was riding down I five and, and and getting through Los Angeles and everything, and then then you got into Baja and and um, you know it had its it's ups and downs, but it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Met a lot of people on that excursion uh, that I still have contact with and still enjoy talking to. So we'll um, I hope to uh, to do that again. I want to ride the Continental Divide again. Uh, that was uh, uh, that was a great adventure, and uh, it's it's been a it's been a really fun experience just riding learning how to ride motorcycles the proper way right big motorcycles big I mean, motorcycles yeah, right that, that most people have a problem even almost 600 pound motorcycles exactly and then you load them down with all the crap you're going to be carrying because you're carrying everything on um, on your on your motorcycle yeah uh, when i rode down to albuquerque i rode through utah and i took some roads through utah and they were uh, one of the roads I took, I didn't even know I was riding down it, but it was fairly iconic road off of a, off of a trail there. And I realized this bike weighs 600 pounds. I've got about 150, 200 pounds of gear on it. Right. And me. And, if, and I'm doing water crossings and riding in sand. And I dumped this thing. It's going to be a heck of a time getting it put back, to, getting it up. <laughs> getting right. it up, yeah. But I got fortunate, got through it, and uh, 
And I, I, I kind of look back on that and I say, what caused me to do that? It's just, ex- <laughs> yeah. it was just the excitement of being, because I was all by myself. Yeah. It was just the excitement. All by yourself. Yeah, just the excitement. Beautiful. Yeah, and it was just the excitement of, of hey, we're going to go do something fun on motorcycles. And uh, um, to um, to sum it all up, I would have to say that, that uh, uh, it has been one of the better experiences of my life, just being able to be associated with with uh, with rawhide and to learn what's going on and and how to ride a motorcycle and i'm still i'm a at at best i'm an advanced beginner basically so and i realize that but uh you know we we met some people the last couple days met walt with street masters yeah so uh, lots of cool guys yeah everybody oh no everybody i've met here at rawhide is is cool so i realized hey i've got to go take that street master course because the road we took today yeah you know i i got to give myself a maybe a d at best for riding it and and i realized that it i need to that, that's an area that, that I need to learn. That's right. So, so that's right. And then, uh, last thing, uh, any piece of advice or something you want to shoot out to the public? You know, it's 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 just a wonderful experience to be able to go out and at any point in your life. I'm a little bit older, so it means a lot to me to be able to do this. But I think if it, it doesn't matter what your age is. Because if you learn this stuff, you learn how to ride a motorcycle mm-hmm. and ride it properly. And, and and I'm very biased toward BMWs, but I know there's a lot of other great motorcycles out there. A lot so, of them. They're all great yeah, in their own all, way. They're all great in their own way. And so you, you learn how to ride these bikes, and it opens up a whole different and new experience for what you can experience and, and getting off-road on a motorcycle and, and, and really enjoying. It gives you freedom. gives you freedom. True freedom. True freedom. Uh, I've been on several rides with my sons. It's been a great experience. Um, they're pretty hardcore. Yeah. So if, if I can ride with them, I feel I can, I can hang with most people. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a wonderful experience. When, you, when Grandpa can go and ride you know <laughs> that's that, that, that's that's uh, what we say is badass uh, well you know it's super it, it, you're it, you're a badass grandpa it's 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 uh my my grandson is, <laughs> is 26 and he just graduated with a master's in water water engineering from the university of wyoming and uh he says that's what he that's what he said he says you ride a bmw gsa i says i do so that's awesome. Yeah. I'll end it with one more thing. I did an interview with uh, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like two, three podcasts ago. And he says uh, he had one student that joined the class. And he says, these GS, these GSAs, they're, they're like elephants, you know? And Jim's like, we'll, we'll, we'll change that. At the end of the weekend, he came up to Jim and says, no, they're like little mouses. Yeah. They move like little mouse. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, we, 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 I've been I've been to different classes, and one of the classes I remember I went to I went on a ride to the um, the uh, CDR the Continental Divide ride, 
and most of people there had gone through the classes and everything and and we were talking before the dinner before the ride that night before and we were all kind of sitting around having a beer or whatever and and i said remember how you felt when you left the adventure intro to adventure class i said yeah you felt like you could tackle the world yeah it's going to be the same thing because you learned how to do it right and um and that's how I feel. I feel I can ride it almost anywhere, given a little bit of, of you know, preparation to make sure I'm right. got my skills kind of there where they need to be. But uh, it's been a it's been a wonderful experience. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, love it. Love Thank it. you. Voy a grabar. Voy a contar tres, dos, uno. Cuando pego uno, usted va a decir su nombre, de dónde eres y cómo te metiste en las motos. Bien. Okay. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? Si quieres, ¿qué haces? ¿Y, y, y cuándo fue la primera vez que montaste una moto? ¿Bien? Bien. Ok. 3, 2, 1. Hola, mi nombre es Rafael Durazo. Más cerca. Eh, soy de Sonora, de, de México. Y la primera vez que tuve oportunidad de andar en moto fue... En el año de 2004. ¿2004? Sí, 2004 por, por un amigo que también andaba en moto y me invita a andar en, en, en moto y desde ahí ya le agarré el, el cariño. ¿Qué, qué, <ríe> ¿qué estilo de moto era? Era enduro. Enduro. Enduro, era una eh, 450 y era pura tierra, era pura tierra. Y a lo máximo lo pegaste, ¿no? A lo máximo, de hecho me costó una placa en el pómulo que traigo. <risa> ah, qué bien, chico. Y de ese momento adelante fue tu pasión, ¿no? Desde ese momento supe que me iban a gustar toda la vida. Estuve, un, bueno, algunos años sin, sin montar en moto. Y hace, ¿qué serán? Otros cuatro años, tres años, eh, regresé. Pero ahora en el, en, el, en el doble propósito. Claro. Y son totalmente diferentes, se me hacen más, se me hacen más seguras y más, diver, más diversificadas a, 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 a conocer, ya sea tierra o ya sea eh, carretera. Qué bien. ¿Y, y cómo te enterraste de, de Rawhide? Por Rawhide me enteré. Más cerca, chico. Por mi amigo eh, Dan, Dan Mirabén, de hecho, tomó el. El, el curso, curso. Y me invitó en noviembre a tomar el, el curso de intro y, y me gustó mucho. Y ahora sale el, el leadership, el programa de leadership y regresamos. ¿Y, y cómo te pareció la clase de leadership? Me, me pareció muy bien. Me gustó mucho la dinámica de combinar en la mañana eh, curso y en, y en las tardes ir a dar la vuelta. ¿no? Es, un buen, es un buen balance, ¿no? Sí, es muy buen balance. Y, y el contenido del curso eh, como leadership está muy completo. Correcto. Me, me gustó mucho y me gustó mucho la dinámica de cómo te dan el curso. Claro. Te involucran, hay, hay dinámica, hay manera de participar, eh, de exponer, de, de intercambiar ideas, de conocer gente, gente muy interesante. 
muy interesante y, y el sistema de ser uh, equipos y cambiar los equipos y seguir aprendiendo de cada uno es, es muy chévere. Sí, desde, desde la regla de cada vez que sales a, a, a receso, a un break y regresas, tienes que sentarte en un lugar diferente. Sí, y vas cambiar el con puesto del asiento donde sentaste sí. la última vez. Sí, y vas, pues vas conociendo, Qué bien. interactuando con gente diferente. No, perfecto. Y una pregunta más. Eh, de ¿Cuál es el viaje que has tomado en moto que, que te encantó? Uno de los mejores rides que has montado. Uno de los mejores es, sin duda, la baja. ¿Baja? He recorrido la baja. ¿Dónde empezaste y dónde terminaste? Inicié en Hermosillo, en Sonora. Ok. Eso eh, del otro lado. El siguiente punto fue San Diego y de ahí bajamos hasta, hasta Loreto. Regresamos a Santa Rosalía y Santa Rosalía agarramos ferry a, a Sonora de regreso. Ese es uno y otro que hice fue a las Barrancas del Cobre. También muy, muy, muy bonito lugar. Muy bonito. Y lo último, lo último, lo último, te prometo. ¿Qué consejo le puedes dar a uno que, que, que quiere meterse en las motos o está montando motos pero es muy nuevo? ¿Qué consejo le puedes dar? Eh, tomar un, un curso básico nomás para, para tener esa seguridad. Y el consejo que puedo dar es, si te vas a meter a, a las motos, que sea con esa seguridad, no, no entrar eh, titubeando o, o teniendo esa inseguridad en las motos, porque pues, no, no, no va bien. No va bien. Y, so, equipo, todo, ¿no? Sí, equiparte. Y, y digo, cumplir. Yo veo siempre tres, tres reglas para... Pues ma para mantenerte sano en este tema, de, en este deporte. El primer, la primera regla es cuidar tu límite como persona, eh, no exceder el límite de la moto y el más importante es respetar el entorno donde estés manejando. Aún cuando conozcas el entorno, ten respeto y si no lo conoces, doble respeto. Muy bien. ¿Sí? Gracias, hermano. Sería no. todo. Muchas gracias a ti. Dale.